schon. He tasks me. He tasks me and I shall have him. I'll chase him around the moons of Nibia and round the Antares maelstrom and round Perdition's flames before I give him up. Prepare to alter course. Good evening and welcome to The Loaded Dice, the podcast that always rolls boxcars. I'm Doug. And I'm Andrew. And I'm DJ. <gasps> Big reveal. Uh, <laughs> here we have a third chair for this evening. Gentlemen, how are you? Good. Yes, um, very well. <laughs> very, very well. Now that I'm um, recording, it's approximately, what is it, uh, six minutes past ten in the evening, and I've finished work, finally, for the finally. day. Winner. Yeah. <laughs> so, no, it's, it's, it's awesome. Uh, Doug, yourself, how are you? Well, well, I'm um, uh, teaching an extra class on Saturday this week, so I'm not 100% looking Ooh. forward to that, but it's extra extra hours, so that's always a win. Um. But yeah, otherwise not too bad. And tomorrow's a day off, so I'm not too worried. Very nice. Look, mm-hmm. it means you can buy more clan rats. <laughs> uh, yeah, it does when I get paid. <laughs> but that's, I think, like the week after next or something. It's ridiculous. Anyway, that's a whole other thing. Um, I don't think I'm legally allowed to have an opinion on that officially. Oh, no, dig, dig, dig God, no. Not at all. <laughs> So my official my official opinion on that is talk to my boss. <laughs> the boss at home or boss at the office? Uh, boss at the office. <laughs> okay. Because boss hmm. at home might say go to work. I don't care. We need well, money. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> hmm. That's really depressing. I was actually just saying to you guys before we uh, hit the record button that for the first time in a long time, I was going to attempt to um, do some painting. Uh, during this episode, um, mm. just because we've got the uh, you know we've got Dej on, so um, it might be a little bit easier to do it. But I've just found out that my desk lamp that I was going to use has a really frigging short cable, and my current okay. setup does not allow for me to paint on the side of the desk that I need to paint on. So, okay, giving that up. Uh, break out the clippers, cut some stuff off screws. Uh, I'm considering I'll just sit here and drink scotch for the rest of the night. Um, <laughs> also good. What I mean, started doing. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, that leads me to something we haven't done in a very long time. Um, because usually it's just you and I, Doug. I, I generally don't even drink anymore while we podcast. So um, are we drinking anything tonight, gentlemen? Yes. <laughs> I was waiting for Doug to answer because it's probably less embarrassing. No, I've DJ, got, go for it. I've got some old... Ribena, first of all, in case I get parched, the ice is melted in because my house is a little warm still today. And a giant old mug of Baileys and milk because I am a man child. And have the, I mean, the shouldn't, taste the Baileys, as such. shouldn't the Baileys be out of a shoe, though? <laughs> I feel like old Greg would have something to say to you right now, DJ. I oh, know, but like, I don't want to like peek out the recorders or anything. I don't have a filter on the end of this mic. <laughs> Um, and I want to say it's a 12-year-old Glenfiddich, I think, that I'm drinking. Oh, nice. So it was on the um, the crap shelf of the liquor cupboard. So, <laughs> um, And actually, I also just came up with a hobby hack um, that we can use for the end of the thing, which is that um, Aeronautica um, Thunderbolt bases make really good drinks coasters. Ah, that is true. So, I thought you were just going to say use your old alcohol in your, your airbrush. Ooh. 
Also I mean, good. I think like, like like I feel like something like Bacardi One Five One would work okay for cleaning an airbrush. <laughs> also, like diesel engines, you could clean with Bacardi One Five One. Well, yeah. blast markers are still the best coasters. So if you have any of those that you're obviously not using anymore, because um, what game would you even use them in that's being played by anyone at the moment? Um, blast markers. <laughs> no, nah, no one's AT? playing. That. No one's playing that either. Thirty K. Nah, Heresy's dead, man. Haven't you heard? Um, throwing them as frisbees to small dogs. <laughs> yeah, you need a larger one at, for larger dogs. Then you're out of coaster. Well, oh, not if you've God. got as many as I have. Well, that's true. You can just throw them at people for fun. Plus, they're um, like neon green. They're, they're easy to find. Well, you see, this, this, this is the true. thing, right? It's, I was so surprised on the weekend that I was the only person actually rocking the, um, the giant uh, blast templates and stuff still. It's probably because everyone knows you've got them, so they're like, oh, I won't bother bringing them. Andrew's got them. Or they all just forget, going, oh, I'm going to take my badass super heavy. And they go, oh, yeah, templates, yeah. like, when they're about to fire. And they're like, oh, shit, yeah, that's a thing, right? We, 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 we could totally do, like, a load of dice Patreon, which is literally just charging people to, like, borrow our um, <laughs> last templates and stuff. That'll make fucking millions of dollars at our events. Well, Great. look, I just, I just wasn't planning on losing something. a night. So Yeah, well, I feel like that... That's that's kind of fair. That's something yeah. in general you can kind of bank on, right? <laughs> well, how did that plan go? I lost one over the weekend. Well, that's not bad. Was it one of the that's little one. ones or No, I lost my I lost my gallant who um, kicked a Spartan to death and was then murdered in turn by fire drakes. But we'll get there. We'll get there. Um, <laughs> for my part, I am drinking water. Oh, you badass. Because I am a healthy boy. Uh, and I you? remain hydrated when performing uh, strenuous physical activity, such as podcasting. Um, <laughs> that is. I it's, do... what it's what people don't see behind the curtain, is the amount of training and... Um, it's all about high, the reps, right? High level, exactly. High-level activity that goes into doing this. I'm doing stomach crunches as we speak. <laughs> <laughs> lovely. Lovely. Mm. Um, uh, I want to bring up one thing just before we jump into Beyond the Rift. Um, actually, no, you know what we need to do, which we keep forgetting to do, which is rather mm. embarrassing because I don't have to do it later on. Um, but that's my own fault. Um, what are we doing this episode? Yes, good question. Um, so this episode, we've got all of our normal segments, uh, Beyond the Rift, Signals from the Front, Hobby Hacks at the End. Um, but the meat and potatoes of uh, this episode is going to be uh, the Siege of Asphodel Bridge, Chapter 1. So uh, we had our event. When was that? Was that last weekend? Yes. Yep. Good. As Excellent. In, yep. Yep. What day is five, six days ago, whatever it was. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we had that this weekend, or the, the weekend just gone. Um, lots of players came came in. We had a whole bunch of people playing Heresy, a couple of people playing AT. Um, and so we're happy to call it a great success. Uh, great we'll success. The rundown on that for you in the middle of tonight's episode. <laughs> lovely 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 uh, and the other thing i just wanted to uh mention and i don't like I, I very rarely use this podcast as a soapbox but i do kind of want to um quickly tonight because uh, i feel like it's something that's definitely worth um sort of going over is over the over the last week or two um I don't know, uh, last episode I, I sort of mentioned Nick um, as one of the guys I played down at uh, Actor Heresy and, you know, absolute hobby champion. I know we all, we all know him and love his work and, and that sort of thing. Um, 
But about two weeks ago, uh, Nick got booted from the Horus Heresy painting and modeling group on Facebook. Um, what, what, is... what, was, what was his heinous crime? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so his mistake was was understanding that um, Thunder Warriors were actually part of um, 30k war and Horus Heresy war um, and sharing some amazing custom sculpted um, Thunder Warriors, which he's been based off of for, Angron, I think. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, based off like a like a bunch of Angrons and and all sorts of crazy um, custom green stuff. Lots like. of green stuff, yep. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, and 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 I mean like really top shelf fucking green stuff work. Uh, and we'll definitely share some of his stuff on was, the, uh, on the podcast page as well, so you can see what it is. Um, I was going to say, can I spruik his Instagram because I know off the top of my head. Yeah, it, has a rude, it does have a rude word in it though. That's is that okay? Okay, this podcast okay, so has many it's all one word. Yeah, on Instagram, all one word, The Painting Prick. The Go Painting Prick. Yeah. Love it. Um, yeah, so he, he, he shared some of these amazing conversions and, and custom work on the Horus Heresy Painting and Modeling Group, um, which, mind you, is one of the largest uh, Horus Heresy pages on Facebook. I think it, it had something like 8,000 8, members. 8, um, about, yeah. <laughs> although I think it has significantly less than that at the moment. <laughs> um, so he, he had that. Um, that post got deleted really quickly. Um and when he asked one of the mods that deleted it and sort of sent him this big thing about how Thunder Warriors have nothing to do with the Horus Heresy, um, and he was kind of like, seriously, what the fuck? Um, have you guys never read, like, Outcast Dead or any Black Book or read any lore to do with the Unification Wars and the Horus Heresy and all that sort of stuff? Um, they then kicked and banned him from the group. Oh, it gets, uh, it, it gets a little bit better than that. So in that in-between time, when he asked them, Whiskey Tango Foxtrot, um, one of the guys said, look, you know, if you re- re-fluffed them to something mm. that's more heresy appropriate, we'll be okay with that. So he came up with the idea of that they're, you know, gene bolt black shields. And black you shields, know, that's right. Yeah, they've got all these cancers and tumors going through them. So they've got these, you know, serums to keep them going and all sorts of stuff like that. And, um, and crafted, you know, like five, six paragraphs on why these are actually black shields. And um, not not Thunder Warriors, and um, and it had to come up with a new name for him, so he called them Tundra Warriors. And um, <laughs> the original mod who deleted his stuff, his admin, I should say, sorry, was okay with that. Said, "Yep, that's fine. You've you've corrected it to our vision of the heresy. So come on in." And then less than twenty four hours later, a different mod woke up and had his knickers in a knot and decided to ban. He told the other one he was wrong for doing that and. And then the great mass banning and deletions commenced. Yeah. Um, so basically what happened from there was was he got kicked and banned. And then there was a whole lot of other people that were kind of like, hang on, what the fuck's going on? Um, and then they all got kicked and banned. Um, I may have attempted to cause some problems because after Nick got kicked and banned, he started another group with a very similar name to it. Uh, which is the uh, the Horus Heresy Painting and Modeling Group in brackets, all 30k included, um, which has hit like close to 600 members in about four days, which is absolutely fucking amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it continues to grow by the hour. Um, but I then shared that back into the group um, and it lasted for a good hour <laughs> a bit. Um, got a whole lot of members to it uh, and then I got kicked and banned. But the, the, they then decided that basically if you were Australian... Um, if you'd ever commented on something of Nick's, if you were on his friends list, uh, or anything like that, or if you were a friend of a friend of a friend, uh, you're getting kicked and banned as well. 
Um, now, don't get, don't get me wrong. Like, I, you know, Facebook's one of those things where it's, you know, people have their pages and they do what they want to do with their pages and all the rest of it. Um, and that's cool. Like, if you want to just completely ignore everything to do with the background and the fluff of um, the setting in which you're, you're sort of working, go nuts, I guess. Um, but yeah, definitely. Uh, the Horace Heresy Painting and Modeling Group, all 30K included, um, is definitely where you want to be if you want to see some fucking absolutely amazing hobby um, and shit like that. And I actually just saw for a couple of minutes ago that somebody who was still in the old group had posted sort of like a very reason reasonable post that was basically just like, we're losing members like fucking crazy um, because of like the admins and the mods just being, you know, complete and utter cunts about things. Um, you know, maybe we should perhaps wonder why hundreds of people are leaving a group, um, mass exoduses and mass bannings and stuff, because, you know, this group's going to go to shit and you betcha dude got uh, kicked and banned for that. <laughs> um, and then apparently they replied with a post that was basically like, get out of our house um and all this sort of crazy shit so yeah um a little yeah. bit of facebook drama for the beginning of the night but i just thought um you know if you want a really amazing sort of hobby den to uh, sink your teeth into um definitely jump into nick's new group um in there i don't think there's any like questions you have to answer to get into the group i think you just that's, that's get it well, all. there was three questions i think one is you know like do you like the heresy or something? I can't remember what the second oh, one is. Really? And the third one is, what's a Tundra warrior? And basically <laughs> any answers are accepted. Like if you answer all three questions, you're auto accepted. If nice. not, we just have to review and click accept. And, and I, no one has not been accepted. The whole idea is to make oh, it as dude. inclusive and awesome as possible. Yeah, nice. um, uh, if you have um, unification wars conversions, if you have crusade era conversions, whether they be, you know, legions or aliens or whatever. The whole idea is awesome hobby comes on in, like doesn't, you know, as long as you're in the realm of that time period throughout, you know, the 40 K <laughs> universe type thing, it's all good. Like don't, don't question. And, you know, if it's, if something cool, put it up, everyone's going to like it type stuff. And so far everyone's been good, but yeah, I, I was one of those in the first wave of bannings and, you know, I can be a little cheeky at times. I'll, I'll, I'll own up to that. However, all I had done was, Nick had asked me, would I mind being an admin in this new group? And he told me what happened. I said, yeah, of course, man, like, because we're mates and, you know, sounds like a, a worthwhile thing. And uh, for my endeavours, I was insta-banned with no no notification or anything from the original group. And I sent them a message saying, hey, you know, could you let me know what, what rule I actually broke? Because, you know, quite like, you know, there's quite a lot of people here and, you know, not everyone's over at the new group or anything like that. And I don't think I've done anything wrong. Could you please explain? And the main admin got back to me and basically with just a screenshot of the admins for the new group and said in, uh, in my shorthand version, get fucked. Um, he's like, how dare you, you know, try and upset us and do this, that, the other and blah, blah, blah. And I was, and I was basically saying, well, Nick's actually a really good guy. Maybe you should have a talk to him, you know, X, Y, and the guy just wouldn't have any of it. And he's like, you know, you're friends with him. So go get stuffed basically. I was like, okay, cool. Thanks for your, mature and adult response and, and well thought out and well measured excellent you know so yeah so it's it's a shame but if they're going to run it like that and be that petty and we're, we're hearing more and more stories of people who have been deleted or banned or blocked for what i would call petty things as opposed to actual breaking of the rule actually being a bad yeah. person their conversion yeah. wasn't quite the way they wanted it or this that the other or i know of other um, hobbies who've made um 
what do you call it, Thunder Warriors before and have been had their um, posts deleted and stuff like that. So it sounds like there's been a bit of drama ongoing that maybe we didn't all hear about. But hopefully the new one, everyone's going to have a good time and just be nice to each other. Yeah, I, th- I think it's one of those things, and this is more like a wider conversation that I was hoping to sort of start, um, or else like, one, I was just going to end up looking like a, a, a petty dickhead. That's <laughs> oh, all right. But, at least there's three petty dickheads altogether. That's it. Um, but like, I, I think, and this is this has always been something that I like. It, it's a war gaming thing. Like, it's definitely not a Horus Heresy thing, and it's definitely not a Warhammer thing even, um, because it it extends way past um, you know the boundaries of Games Workshop games. But you know, the 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 idea that you know anybody can kind of be like, yeah, sorry, no, you're completely and utterly wrong about this part of this particular hobby. And I mean, like, this even goes for, like, historical guys who carry on about how white people's pants are. Um, <laughs> and, you know, like, like this badge or, or, you know, this sort of thing on the side of a, an aeroplane or a tank was not right and all this sort of shit. So, you know, like, it's, it's just a fucked up part of our community. Um, and, and it's something that, like, I reckon that, you know, if you're... If you like that, like, you know, you're not not a particularly bad person. Like, I think most people I hear saying that sort of stuff have just been bought into the hobby in a particular way. Um, And I mean, like, in most cases, especially the shit you see on Facebook and stuff, it's like, you're probably never going to meet these people, even at events and stuff. Like, you know, they're from all over the world and stuff. And, you know, it's never going to impact you directly, even if you were going to have some sort of violent reaction to the fact that, you know, Tundra Warriors and, and Thunder Warriors are part of the heresy or whatever. Um, but it's just a really messed up part of the hobby. Um, and it's definitely the sort of thing that I reckon, you know, if you see people starting to do that sort of shit, like, have a quiet word. They're probably not bad people. They probably just have sort of like a messed up elitist kind of view to things. Probably gatekeeping. Um, yeah, yeah. Sorry, that was, that was the word I was trying to think of before. Yeah, like, I think it gets called gatekeeping these days. And I mean, like, there's... There's a guy that posted into Nick's new group, um, Paul Buzzfield. And if you get a chance, um, this dude's done some really awesome um, Iron Warrior. Uh, hang on. Yeah, no, they're definitely Iron Warriors. Iron Warriors dudes. But they're all like true scaled using um, oh, nice. Tartarus Termi bits and stuff. And they look fucking amazing. Um, and they're a really cool scheme. And there's a lot of hobby on them and all this sort of stuff. And he was saying that, like, you know, he, he kind of, like, stopped working on the army because when he started them and was doing these true scaling conversions, which are really well done and look amazing. I'm just pulling them up now. People, they look really good. People apparently jumped all over the poor fucking dude to the point where he just went, ah, you know what, fuck this. I'm not even interested in doing this anymore. Um, until he found Nick's group and everybody that, that's been in it over the last couple of days. And now he's like, fuck it, here, here is everything and I'm going to keep working on this shit now. Yeah, they're um, really good. I'd be really ashamed. It's a really, real shame that he did stop. And also, it's a shame that other people were able to spoil that fun that he was having making such unique yeah. miniatures, you know? Like, he's got this great yeah. breacher shield wall here, and they're using, I think, the, those Ogryn shields. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The and they make an actual full shield. shield wall because they all interlock and stuff. It looks great. Like, yeah. yeah. like. And I can't even I can't even work out why anybody would have a... Like, I couldn't imagine the only, that apparently the there were enough comments the only thing i can see that people might go mm, is because they've got some of them have the torso parts for the death watch kit which use a very a variation of the mark eight gorget i believe 
Um, that's the only thing I can see there that someone might go, oh, that's not, you know, spot on heresy. Sorry. But it's very clearly, yeah. like, thematic. Like, it works with the legs because he's got, the, like you say, the Tartarus legs. And it's got, you know, some of them have the extra detailing and stuff like that. But you look at it and it's, you know, it's 30K. It's got 30K symbols mm. on it. They've got 30K weapon. Like, and, I mean, he's got, he, he's got like, a, a squad of Tyrant Terminators made out of the... Um... The um the massive like custodes cataphracty. Oh yeah, that's yeah. Which look absolutely amazing because and I mean like you know that's like the right sort of size step up if your main um power armor dudes are basically Tartarus termies, which is awesome. Yeah. So I mean like like this would be fucking amazing and I and you know what would be even cooler is you know being Iron Warriors if he was doing like a, an army of dark compliance. It'd give you that massive size step up from like you know if you're using yeah. like Cadian Guardsmen or something like that, um, which is really really nice. But I mean like for somebody to be like I like you know this this one squad here would have cost a oh. couple of hundred hundred bucks just to build right like just in the parts alone, um, mm-hmm. and you kind of go for somebody to just not want to finish these dudes off when they look this fucking amazing and he's put this much time and effort into it because some some cunts like oh. You shouldn't do this, and you shouldn't do it this way, and this is not what heresy is. Like, fuck that. Seriously, fuck that. Well, that, that's the thing. He's clearly put work in. They look really, really, really good. Like, so I, you know, you'd have to be pretty petty to say, you know, you yeah. don't play them or that, you know, like, you know, constructive criticism is one thing, and but just shitting on someone's work for no reason is a totally other thing. And like, like I said, these don't, these don't deserve anything but praise. Yeah, no, hundred percent. So I think it's just something to like keep in mind if you if you see people fucking doing that sort of shit, just like you know, just a quiet word. You don't need to like fucking call people out and kick their faces in and stuff. But I mean, just a quiet word would be like, yo, if you don't like it, you don't need to do it. You don't need to spend your money on it. Fucking move on. I mean, and you're right. Constructive criticism that's actually constructive is fine. Particularly, like, like especially if they're saying, hey, these are my things. What do you guys think? Or I'm not quite happy with mm. part X. Do you guys have an idea of what I can do differently? Sure, like you know that, that that's that's a time to engage, but in a positive way because you're trying to help the guy, not just because you're tearing shreds off him because your idea of a made up world is different to his idea of a made up world. Yeah, hundred fucking percent. So yeah, just something to keep in mind, guys. Be uh, be the nice hobby guys. Yeah, well, that's one, one, one thing one of my mates um, pointed out was we're already a niche community within a niche community because 30K with inside Wargamers in general. So yeah. why is it we're wanting to divide ourselves up further or ostracize people from that community, which supposedly we all love, because that means there's less people you know, involved in it, which means less support, which means there's less chance for new kits or new books, or whatever else it is. There's less people to play, less people to inspire you, you know, all those sort of things like that. So you're working against your own self-interest there at that point. Yeah. Amen. A fucking man. Um, well, I think what we might do is move on to Beyond the Rift. Excellent. Sounds like a plan. Um, we dropped a couple of things in there today. Uh, I wanted to say this is mostly a, a PSA rather than anything else, but The Clone Wars is back. Uh, if you're a Star Wars The Clone Wars watcher. Is this the final um, season? It is the final season. So I saw something for that coming up. Yeah, I saw something okay. for that coming up, but I was like, I'm going to wait until they're all out so I can just have a marathon week or so of just, you know, catching myself up and gorging on them. That's fair. 
it's um so the first i think the first mm, four or five four episodes maybe um have so they released them a little while ago i think on like a dvd extra or on youtube or something uh unfinished so it was just like the rough models so they had already recorded all the audio um and done all the like the rough modeling work um so we, so anyone who's watched that knows the plot for the first i think four episodes or the first arc anyway um i didn't i deliberately didn't watch it because i was like i want to be surprised um so i'm keen to see that play out but um yeah then we move on to the siege of mandalore and some more mall stuff and some more ahsoka tano stuff um and I think it's meant to cross over with episode three a little bit too. So like there's some oh, episodes cool. oh, nice. that happen sort of in media res for episode three, which will be fun. Um, yeah. So I'm excited. That's, that's pretty much all I had to say about the clone wars. It's, it's out or the first episode <laughs> is out. Um, it introduces us to the bad batch, which are a bunch of clones who didn't clone properly. Um, and are therefore a specialist unit. Because clearly all of the mutations were good. <laughs> so when you say a specialist unit, do you just mean a Suicide Squad? Look, there are strong Suicide Squad vibes. Um, but their whole shtick is that they're sort of outside the the general sort of chain of command for the, the clone army. Um, so is it just that Auto 66, you know, Hiptro indoctrination didn't work in their brain? So they've got to send them out to the far reaches so when it goes off they're not getting in the way? No, one of them grew without muscle mass, like real scrawny, and so he's the tech dude, oh, cool. of course. Um, <laughs> one of them grew to like Goliath level beefcake. So he's um, the heavy so weapon. He's the tank. Yep. Yeah. Well, actually, he's got a. If you ever played Republic Commando, the video game, yeah. Um, he's got the rifle that they had. Oh, cool. Which is cool. Um, uh, then there's the sniper, who, as far as I can tell, his genetic mutation was that it turned him from Maori to Australian. <laughs> like he's one like missed conversation away from sniping's a good job mate it's a challenging work out of doors um and just like full team fortress twoing um and then the squad leader has some kind of electromagnetic receptiveness or like the hunters in he's basically a space wolf um he smells things from like a continent away <laughs> well uh, hopefully yeah. you're not you're not deployed with the wookies then yeah, yeah, that would be like, bad. <laughs> That's a shitty That's fucking superpower. Yeah. Yes. Um, and apparently Commander Cody is real good friends with them. So the guy who is Obi-Wan's general. Yep. Or captain, sorry. Um, yeah. So there you go. So he brings them in and Rex is like, these guys are weird. Why did we bring them in? Um, and hijinks ensue, basically. Uh, yeah, also, cool. the return of, for those of you who are Clone Wars fans, Admiral Trench, um, who's the, the Tarantula general that the Separatists had for, like, three episodes. Cool. <laughs> oh, is, is that the guy that, that, that's kind of out of um, Will Smith's Wild Wild West? <laughs> yes, now. So, in, the, in his first appearance, he's just straight up a Tarantula dude. Um, but also, in his first appearance, Anakin Skywalker blows up his, his ship. So then he comes back like half Kenneth Branagh. Right. <laughs> like he's all cyborg tarantula. Um, yeah. And so so was, this, for... was this ship in space when it blew up? Yes. So did he space Mary Poppins to get to safety or? 
I don't know. I like to think that all of the battle droids on the bridge just like formed got around sucked it. into the the explosive decompression first, and so he lost yeah, bits of himself. Yeah. But nice. yeah, then it's just plugged with battle droids, and he's like, "Well, okay, I guess I'll go to an escape pod then." <laughs> very very cool. Um, yeah. So, is it possible to watch this this season without having watched the seasons before it? So far, yes, but I don't know that that will continue. Okay. I reckon the things that you would have to watch would be, if you don't care about who Admiral Trench is, you don't have to watch anything part like before season five. I reckon. There's also though, like if you're watching it on um, Disney, they've got like you know the top ten must-watch episodes of the Clone Wars. So I assume that might help you. Um, that is not get a good list. No, isn't it? Okay, well, there you go. Top 10 Clone Wars episodes. There are better ones online that you can find. Um, But basically, as long as you watch the the last maybe two or three arcs of season five, and then all of season six, which is a shorter season anyway, because they'd already been cancelled at that point, um, uh, that would pretty much catch you up. Okay, I might have to do that because it, like the, um, I think I've said it on here before that one of the biggest roadblocks for me to watching like Clone Wars and Rebels is the animation style. Mm. Um, but it, that seems to be something they've dealt with this season. It looks like a better animation style to me. Yeah, maybe. Um, I don't know, grittier maybe. I'm not too sure, but yeah, I was thinking, yeah. oh, I might just watch that instead of watching everything before it. Like, you know, spoilers. We know where it goes. He turns into fucking Darth Vader, right? Like. Yeah, yeah. Pretty I think much. one of the big questions is like, what happens to Ahsoka though, and a few of those other sort of characters? Because, like you say, we know like a lot of the big, you know, big plot points. <laughs> yeah. So spoilers for something that came out years and years and years ago now, but the end of season five, Ahsoka gets kicked <laughs> out of the Jedi Order. Yeah, uh, well, I knew that. And yeah. so, yeah, and so then it's sort of so there'll be some episodes that deal with that a bit later on, where she's sort of wandering around and is force trained and has lightsabers. And is still kind of good, but is no longer on the Republic payroll. Ah, it'll be interesting. You know, you, you know who that reminds me of? The Grey Knights, the subcontractors. Yeah. Sorry. Well, no, but that hurts a lot. <laughs> um, no, no, I was going to talk about somebody else that we got intro- uh, introduced to in the last week um, in another TV show. Ah, who would that be? Ooh, I don't know. Actually. Deej, have, have, have you been watching Picard? I want to, I even... haven't, but I can always, like, jump off the headset for five seconds if you want to, like, spoil, <laughs> be spoilerific. Um, no, no, that's that, that's that's all right. We won't, we don't want to kick the, uh, the the guest host off just so we can spoil things. Um, it's true, and we probably shouldn't spoil the last few episodes anyway, given that not yeah, everybody has caught like up a yet. couple of days, right? Yeah. Um, um, suffice to say that Picard is continuing to be amazing. Mm. Um, very, 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 very happy with it. Yep, it's good to hear. And um, you should watch it if you're not currently watching it. For sure. And are you all caught up? Have you watched episode five? Yes, yes, I have. Good, excellent. That is all. Just... Uh, episode five <laughs> worth a watch. I was going to say another um, series I'm looking forward to is the next um, season two of uh, Altered Carbon comes out. Mm. Um, I think in on the twenty seventh is it? Is that oh, we've got a release date, do we? I think so. Like, uh, I, I got a notification about a trailer today. I don't think yeah. it's actually. Or maybe it's the 29th or something like that. Mm-hmm. So we, we rewatched season one because we're like, oh, yep, get get ready for that. 
and it's got yeah. um what's his name? It's got Falcon from Marvel as the yeah. uh, new lead. Yeah, which is good. Which, which, yeah, like I think that could work pretty Anthony well. Mackie, that's it. Yep. Yeah, I reckon I reckon he could do all right. Mm. Um, well, again, like because some people are like, oh, why have they changed? It's like, well, that's the whole way they travel between worlds, right? Because from my understanding, yep. they go back to Harlan's world. And obviously, he doesn't have a, a body on standby everywhere, and you know, yeah, they just, down, they, and stuff. they just download him into the next body or some shit, don't they? And yeah, like, exactly. Mm-hmm. Moves like on. it's very yeah. rare for like people to re- retain their own body if they're going if they're being transmitted off world lots, unless they're one of the meths. Hmm. Yeah, like super super fucking rich dudes that have like clones and stuff like all over the shop. But yeah, yeah. Uh, I stand corrected. Season two is out now. There we go. Awesome. Oh, nice. So, uh, DJ, thanks for coming on. Uh, no I assume you're just going to yeah, bail yeah. and go I was watch say, that. Kick now. me off so you can go watch it now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's uh, it. Detective Pikachu is also on Netflix at the moment. I should really catch that at some point. Oh, yeah. No, I wouldn't That's mind. Uh, we, should do a, we, we, should, we should totally get together and eat pizza and watch Detective Pikachu. We should. It's true. I'm down for that. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. So, uh, I think that's everything we had beyond the Rift, right? Oh, actually, no, I just remembered what I wanted to add here. Um, mm. So I'm going to add it quickly. Um, the wife and I started watching a show on, I'm pretty sure it's Netflix, but it might be, or no, it would be Netflix, um, called Lock and Key. Yep. Um, now it's, I think it's rated M, but it's definitely like sort of like uh, teenage fiction kind of stuff. And it's based on a um, on like a graphic novel, comic book series sort of thing, which trades a lot on it. And I can't think of what the I've never read it, but I, so I'm not sure what the guy's name is that um, that wrote it. Um, but it's sort of very um, based in like Lovecraftian horror. Mm. Um, so if you're a big Lovecraft fan and you like his sort of style of of, of dealing with horror and that sort of thing, which is um more commonly known as like terror as opposed to horror um Mm. so it's psychological and it's all about making you like freak yourself out without ever ever seeing anything so Uh, and it doesn't rely on like jump scares and gore and and those sort of things um sorry yeah yeah, i was gonna say the comic book's written by joe hill and gabriel rodriguez and joe hill um is a pen name for joe joe or joseph king who's the son of Stephen King. So that's one of the reasons oh, why. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that's how I first found out about it. Cause I was like, Oh, this sounds like a really cool um, book series. Like it's graphic novel. And I was yeah. looking up, looking it up because he also did that Nosferatu on Amazon. The one yeah. about like a, a modern day, va- he's, he's not quite, va- a va- he's not quite your traditional vampire, but he's a vampire. Um, and that's what originally got me to look it up. That I was like, oh, who, who's this guy that did it? Um, and then I realized it was um, Stephen King's son under a pen name. Um, and then, yeah, he did the the Lock and Key series. So I haven't started that, but that's definitely one I'm, I'm keen yeah, to see. Yeah, it, it's, it, it's seriously worth a watch. I think there's one season out at the moment, and I would be really surprised if it doesn't get renewed for a second, if it hasn't already been renewed for a second. Yeah, there's uh, quite a few in the series, is my understanding. Yeah, like I sort of... Um, so I think... Uh, I think my wife's actually finishing it right now as we speak. <laughs> um, because I did some work tonight, I'm now going to be a couple episodes behind where she is sort of thing. But it's not, it's, it's, it's really, really cool. And it's got some stuff in it that's like, um, 
you know, like there's, there's some like event horizon moments, less gory, but still leave you sitting there just going like, what the fuck is going on? This is, this is fucking mental good. Um, so yeah, totally, totally worth a watch if you're looking for a season, uh, a new season of something, if you finish like, you know, Picard and the rest of that sort of stuff. Another one that um, we've just started watching is Hunters on um, Amazon. Oh, that's the Al Pacino one, right? Yeah, that's it. That's it. So it's set during the um, 70s. Like, we've had a few flashbacks here and there. Um, And the the basic premise is um, a group of people led by um, some Jews uh, hunting down um, escaped Nazis who escaped during um, World War II and have basically sort of deep planted themselves in American society as like almost like sleeper agents and stuff like that. And um, I've only got a couple of episodes in so far, but so far it's, it's sort of a good roller coaster ride so far. It is, you know, it, it, I wouldn't say it's gory, but there's, you know, there's definitely bloodshed, <laughs> a bit of bloodshed and stuff like that. Oh yeah. But um, yeah, like, you know, it seems, seems pretty cool so far sort of thing. So yeah. Yeah. Cool. Nice. We'll have to uh, give it a watch. I, I do have it down. Um, to sort of get stuck into at some point. Uh, so I guess if that's uh, if that's probably everything for Beyond the Rift. Yeah, let's head on to signals from the front. So we... uh, hobby stuff, things that we're doing, things that we're liking the look of, uh, things that we are engaged in on the hobby front. Um, what are we working on, DJ? What's what's on your table? What are you liking the look of? Uh, currently in front of me is, you know, the, uh, I can't think of his name at the moment, the spider droid thing from the new Chaos um, Get Started kit that was formerly uh, in Shadow Speed. Venom, Venom Crawler. Venom Crawler. That's, that's the fella. So I'm uh, converting him into a dark uh, mech, Majos. So I've also got the fat tech priest out of the um, the Kill Team box. Mm-hmm. And um, so I'm splicing the two of them together. Yeah, nice. The, the Manipulus. Yeah, what's his Theta Seven Aquitus? This works mm-hmm. inside of the box, but yeah, yeah, that's his. That's his. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Nice. So yeah, so that's, that's what I'm working on at the moment. Um, was keen at some point to get some of the Adaptus Titanicus um, Legio Storm transfers because that's the the Legion I've always wanted to do, and I was pretty devoted when Forgeworld cut away the transfer sheets. But um, I went on to the website tonight to have a look and. They're all sold out, and suppose according to the website, no no longer available online even. Um, which, if that's true, I'll be a bit miffed, especially because all the other ones are still there. I think um, everybody likes a store there, right? Possibly. Do we do we know why those sheets have disappeared? Are we sure it's not just supply issues out of China? Do you mean the ones from Forge World? Yeah. So what I heard, don't know how much truth is in this or not, but what I heard at the time was they were just um, storage issues because one of their limitations is how much they can store. Yeah. And I, and I assume it's, pro- you know, a, a function between how much they can store and how much they, how, of, how often they sell them. So even if they've got more Legion ones, if they're selling more frequently, then obviously they're more likely to hold on to them. So that's what I heard. I don't know how, you know, if, that, if that's the case or not. But, um, but yeah, it's pretty yeah, crazy considering they're just transfer sheets. Yeah, no, it'd be because it'd be it, it'd be a shame. Like, I mean, as much as the Empress Children ones came back slightly modified, what last month or something, they'd been out of print for three years. Years, yeah, years, which is like crazy. I, 
I, I picked up a sheet before the first MKA class back in 2015, 2016, I think it was. And that was like the last run that they did with them and they went out of stock pretty soon afterwards. So, I mean, I hope people are having to wait three years for another set of friggin' transfers. It's ridiculous. Yeah. And even if it was just a clearer communication saying, look, you know, these transfers don't sell super well, so we're going to rotate them in and out every however many years and stuff. And if you want them, buy them up, buy them mm-hmm. up now or even just do a made-to-order run even. And, like, you know, you can always um, make a few more to keep hold aside. But otherwise, you know, just that communication, I think, would improve the situation for both the company and the customer. Oh, yeah, it's, it's Forge World, though. <laughs> they're, they're, they're okay sometimes, but I think on on this side, and, and I mean, like, if you ever look at their their page when there's, like, you know, last chance stuff, they're just inundated with people just kicking them in the face about, oh, you're just trying to drum up, you know, like, you know, <laughs> fake demand for things and, and all this. It's all just absolute bullshit marketing and all this. And it's like, yes, it is bullshit marketing. That's They're a company. It's what they do. Mm-hmm. It's exactly what happens, guys. But if you want your damn transfers, got to go and buy them. Oh, sure. Yeah. Doug, what are you working yeah. on? Uh, I'm working on rats. Lots and lots of rats at the moment. So I have, as part of our um, uh, hobby accountability group, the HAP, yes. um, one of my goals for this year is to do basically two and a half thousand points of Skaven um, so that I can play that in AOS. Uh, and I now have all of the clan... Well, no, that's not true. I have all of the clan rats for a 2,000 point list, not for a two and a half thousand point list yet. Um, but that's already 120 clan rats uh, and I've painted 40. So we're about a third of the way there, which is exciting. Um, I was talking to you guys online a little while ago. I think... Uh, hordes are my ha- are my hobby happy place. Uh, uh, I would definitely agree with that. <laughs> yeah, I just every time. So I found this when I started the Sisters of Battle, and I've sort of abandoned the Sisters of Battle and made them just a an Adeptus Ministorum sort of uh, roided out weirdos detachment of Arcoflagellants and Penitent Engines and shit. Um, every time I sit down to paint power armor, it kills me. But I can churn through like 60 shitty cultists or rats or whatever and just love it. Um, yeah. Do you think because each of them individually aren't worth many points and don't hold the army on its back that you're not so, you know, not, I don't want to say not so invested in them, but not so sort of hung up on them. So if they're not quite perfect, that's fine because there's another 119 of them. So you get through them faster and you enjoy the process of painting them more. Mm, I think that's part of it. So certainly the the clan rats for my for my Skaven lists are not complex. They're like six colors and done, and most of that's contrast. The only non-contrast color I think that's on the actual Skaven models is the teeth, which I pick out in like uh, Rackarth flesh or whatever. Um, I don't know. I think there's just... I find a certain catharsis in the simplicity of it and the getting stuff done of it. Um, but also just in the being able to sit down over a day and just like do a bunch of skin and then a bunch of fur and then a bunch of clothes as opposed to doing it in batches of five, which seems to really stall me out a bit. So, yeah. If... I... Sorry, Sorry, go on, Deej. 
Yeah, I was going to say, so maybe if you were to do an elite army, it would need to be one where the models are a bit more simple just so you can get that satisfaction of churning through them. See, it's the other way, though, for elite armies, right? So with my knights uh, and with the big rats that will go into the Skaven army, I'm taking a ton of time on them. So Bone Ripper, which I've been posting photos of on Instagram and Facebook and sort of everywhere that will take them, um, even the Heresy page at one point, um, <laughs> uh, I worked... Like, I spent a lot of time on him because I wanted to make him stand out and look great. Um, so, and I'm planning to do that. So the, the Skaven list, just to completely spoil myself and let you all develop lead strategies to fight it, um, <laughs> is the 160 clan rats in the 2,500 point list, um, Tankwall and Bone Ripper, and then, like, five Vermin Lords. Ouch. Or four Vermin Lords, or, or however many will fit in, um, before they don't let me take any more Vermin Lords. <laughs> Um, it's just when you take a bell then, right, to summon more. Well, that's the problem. It's it's a behemoth as well, so I can't take... Oh, okay. Just so close. Almost. Anyway. Um, it's a problem with behemoths, but that's okay. Um, so the, the plan is to do, like, 40 clan rats, then do a big rat to sort of palate cleanse a bit, do another 40 or 60 rats or however many I get through, um, do another palate cleanser and sort of do them that way. Um, so it's almost like the, the Vermin Lords and Bone Ripper are like almost like a kill team or something that I spend the time on, and then everybody else is just scummy, get them done. Um, but I really love the... Like, it's not a chore to get the hordes done, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. Like, it's still fun. Whereas for the sisters, I was finding that I had to push myself through power armor to get to some arco-flagellants, which I really enjoyed working on. Um, and so then I just sort of lost steam for that particular project. Yeah. But, like, I, I totally get where you're coming from. Um, I, I think, and the other thing with for you obviously is that, I mean, I see a lot of the commissions you do for people that are Warhammer commissions, mm -hmm. and you get commissioned to paint a fuck ton of Space Marines, right? <laughs> like, like There's some I should be painting right now. <laughs> that's exactly right. Like it's always, I mean, like you know, if you're not painting fucking Space Marines for Steve, you're painting Custodes for Steve, or you're painting like Thousand Suns for somebody, or Space Wolves or Blighter. Like, so you you paint a ton of that stuff anyway. Mm. On top of the fact that you've had Space Marine armies and all that sort of thing. So as much as you paint Horde armies that are in the hundreds and hundreds of models, I reckon you've still painted more Space Marines in your life. And Power Arm is the same thing. Like, I mean, I'm sitting here mm. painting, um, uh, even without the desk lamp, I'm still trying to do these bloody Minotaurs <laughs> um, for my February painting pledge for the Bata uh, Reenactment Society. And I mean, like, you know, I've painted... Turn was right billions of these dudes and, and, and like I kind of get it um, mm. there's not a lot about space marines that gets you going about the miniatures if that makes sense well at least for me like I sort of you know compared to um, like another army that's sitting here on this desk of my blood pact uh, which are like mm. Cadians with like you know blood pact heads and like tons of pouches and arm swaps and shit and it's like I really want to get stuck into them because they look like they'd be fun with all the different weird crap going on with them but it's like yep. no i pledged to do this these eight space marines by the end of this month so i probably should just actually get them done because they were also january's pledge as well right so um get them done get them moving and like i want the army on the board as well yeah. and i think that's the other thing that you you do really well um just from an outside sort of perspective is you plan it off an army list yep. then collect almost everything you need and then sort of smash it out 
um, and you don't get sidetracked or anything halfway through the project or go, fuck, I'm a thousand points into a 2000 point army and don't know what I want for the next thousand points. Yes. Um, which might be a contributing factor as well to why you can handle hordes and actually enjoy them. Yeah, they're finite. There's an end to that project, right? It's not just, well, I'm going to need another hundred rats. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 exactly right. And it's yeah, something that's like I think right. Yeah, I was thinking about this for our um accountability program, which we've talked about a little bit that I think all three of us are in. Yeah, DJ you're in yep. half aren't you? Yeah, of course. Um yep. sorry, I've nearly finished the, the glass of scotch, so I'm gonna get a little <laughs> bit scattered here. But um yeah, being able to pre plan projects. Um and actually another person I was talking to on the weekend uh is Ed. Um uh, yeah. which I think what he's insta handle and all that sort of stuff is but um we we're talking about ed, things. ed nihilator i think it is ed nihilator still yeah um so yeah, check I, his... i'm pretty sure it is yeah he, it used he, to be he... raven something and then yeah. he changed to ed nihilator is his generalist name cool um so go and check his stuff out uh he's one of the mournable lads um and he was sort of taking me over his really gorgeous night lords army that he's doing for adepticon and he made this comment about you know he's really used to in like his his working life and all that sort of stuff being very independently motivated and he was sort of taking me through how he like plans projects out and stuff like that and i was just like i wish i had that part of like my, my brain doesn't work that way uh, <laughs> so i'm just like you know if you've got that or you can somehow develop that as a hobbyist um you definitely can smash out and enjoy those sort of projects like i, I sit here looking at all these guard armies i want to do and it it does kind of scare me a little bit. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah that's fair. <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe, maybe as a really roundabout way, maybe that's 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 the difference. Is like your planning and everything else allows you to enjoy something that should, you know, rightfully scare the shit out of you as a hobbyist. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I mean, yeah, I think I'm. I'm just like you said, right? I've gotten to a point in my hobby career where painting more power armor like for me personally is just not at all attractive um as much as i like primaris marines and as much as cool as their armor is it's still just a variant on it's big shoulders armor, big yeah. backpack big knees um yeah and I, I suspect part of it is also just being okay with not having every detail picked out as well if you know what i mean so like for the gene stealers i didn't pick out every pouch and everything with a different color it was just the same color as the armor um, yeah and i think you and, have to paint that way with games workshop stuff these days like i, yeah. I don't i don't know how like I, I see you know i see people that are, are happy to spend 12 hours on yeah a gene steel occultist that's mm -hmm. part of an entire army of gene steel occultists and i just think like what the fuck like how do people like just have that sort of time um yeah the answer is don't have kids or yeah. a job yeah or, or, or need to sleep, yeah. or yeah. Um, you know, or any other any hobby, sort of... <laughs> or any interest in TV. Um, yeah, you've just got to. That's the thing, right? That's the thing you do. Yeah, and, and, and like I think you know, like if you can do that once again, you know, more power to you. That's awesome. Mm. Um, but I think for most most people these days, with games workshop models being as amazing as they are, it's like what are you going to um, sort of sacrifice? And when you hear like a lot of hobbyists and they talk about, you know, like the things you have to do on models, like you have to base them. 
Yeah. Um, you, you just can't get away from it. And, you know, like if you, if you talk to me, it's like you have to do decals um, yeah. or something like that, um, you know, or you have to pick out the eyes or the helmet lenses and, and those sort of things. Um, but the stuff that you sort of don't like, don't feel bad about not getting in there and picking out every last little fucking tube. Mm. Um, or pouch or whatever it is and i mean you know we all i remember like the first uh multi-part tactical squad i ever built <laughs> um i built it on an airplane between sydney and perth when i was like <laughs> six years old um using blue tack yes. um, that's probably safer than giving giving a little kid you know uh, super glue or pl- plastic um, glue on a plane well I, I i yeah i did have glue and it got taken off me at security <laughs> they were like, uh, maybe mom and dad should hold on to this for you, um, which I wasn't too happy about, but yeah, probably a good idea. <laughs> um, yeah. And yeah, like, I mean, you put every single pouch, every single extra grenade and knife on every single fucking dude. Um, I mean, I can't remember the last time I actually put that sort of extra stuff onto my models. Well, to be fair with them, like they... If you do, you kind of overwhelm the miniature with all these extra bits and pieces, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, there's only like we, there's only so much realism we can go for. And at a certain point, you need to sort of abstract it or abstract the details. Like, put the grenades on, you know, one in three guys, or put the extra knife on one or two guys in the squad type thing. Because if every single guy's got every single thing they need, it's going to be covered in pouches and grenades and knives and, you know, totem poles and everything you can think of. Yeah, dear God, especially if they're fucking space wolves, eh? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, awesome. Yeah. So that's what I've been working on. Um, I recently, so just today, actually, I went in and I bought some movement trays for my rats as well. Um, so the the GW clear ones. Yep. Um, which now, are you going to you going to yeah. leave them clear them? or are you going to paint them? Because I've mm, seen people do I both. Decided yet? Fair. Um, I think if I'm, what I really want to do is I want to, I saw at Battle in the Bush last year, oh, speaking of Battle in the Bush next year, or this year has announced their dates, it's in August, which is exciting, kind of keen to go again, um, but anyway, last year one of the guys ran a grot army, which was like 200 grots, um, oh god, <laughs> as part of the orc army, and so he had little stands of about 10 of them in movement trays, but also had this like massive stick hanging out the top of him, and so he didn't have to try and pick up the movement tray and shifted. He just picked up the stick. Oh, just picked up the like stick and did it. Yeah, it was just a bit of dowel drilled into it and just stuck there. Um, and I was really keen to try and do something similar um, with, like, some kind of Skaven totem. Oh, so, like, cool a big idea. wooden sort of build up with, like, the Skaven mm. symbol on top and then just every five dudes has, like, one of them built up in between. Yeah, that's nice. good. Make it thematic. Yeah, something like that. And I like I don't know what bits the Vermin Lord kits will leave me with, but I suspect I'll have a few, so I could potentially even just use some of those. Yeah, no. I've, like the, I've got like I've stuff. Got Ziploc bags of Skaven bits at my place for yes, some unknown reason. So next time you're over or yeah, I'm over at your yeah. place, remind me and I will just bring Ziploc bags and anything you need. Um, Perfect. You should be able to find in there, I would imagine. <laughs> one would one would hope. Um, yeah, so that's sort of my plan for that. Um, but that's what I've been working on. Andrew, how about you? What's on what's on your table? Um, well, okay, obviously these, these minotaurs that I'm sort of um, mm. moving through at the moment, which is pretty cool. Um, and it's really nice. Like, I've been trying to... Hang on, I'll stop fucking with my paintbrush in a second. 
All right. Um, for ages, I have been trying to come up with like a, a base color for um, this Minotaur's army that I've wanted to do for the best part of like two decades. Um, mm. And a couple of years back, like maybe two or three years back, I painted a Terminator squad. Um, don't know why, but I seem to use Terminators as tester models <laughs> in Space Marine armies. Lots of big um, space. So I have all these. Yeah, I think that's what it is. Like um, those Iron Warriors I painted, it was like half mm. a Terminator squad. Yep. Um, so anyway, I, I painted a, an Assault Terminator unit. It's like Thunder Hammers and Lightning Claws and stuff. Nice. And just was really not happy with the um, the base color because mm. I, like I really love um, the AK Extreme Metal range, uh, which is an airbrush paint. Uh, and it's actually an enamel metal. And I love the coverage and I love the shades and all that sort of stuff, but I just couldn't make it work. Like every time I was like, this should be the color I want. I'd be like, no, it, it's off a little bit. And so I'd hit it with a wash and it would, you know, kill the metallic in it and make it look brown or it wouldn't do quite what I wanted it to do. So I painted this unit and kind of only did it because I was like, oh, fuck, I just want to finish painting something at the moment. But I was never really happy with it. And they're still sitting on the shelf behind me. Um, so when I sort of pledged to do Minotaurs for the uh, Bad Ab War Reenactment Society, and by the way, if people haven't joined that, definitely jump on that on Facebook. Um, mm -hmm. I sort of went, okay, I need to go back and sort out what's going on. And lo and behold, the paints I'd chosen actually work, right? No issues at all. The issue I was having was actually an undercoating problem. Um, so a lot of, especially when you airbrush, um, undercoats, depending if they're like gloss or matte undercoats, what shade of black they are, all that sort of stuff. If they're a filler primer or those sort of things can really change the colors that go on top. And anybody that knows anything about air, airbrushing knows that like the paint layer that comes out of an airbrush is super thin, mm. Um, like really, really thin, which is why you use so many coats to build colors up and you can modulate colors and pre-shade and all this sort of stuff. And I, for a million years, have used Vallejo's black undercoat, right? And it's awesome stuff. Like you buy it in big bottles, doesn't cost a whole lot, and it's an awesome black. However, good, show the ben, uh, good friend of the show, Ben, was like, you're an idiot, you need to be using Steinal Rose, right? I was like, I don't like Steinal Res, and every time I've used it, it's always had problems with it and all this sort of stuff. Well, I finally got another bottle of Steinal Res and had a had a mess around with it. And it's not... I wouldn't say that Steinal Res is actually black. Um, like, they're black undercoat. I don't think it's actually black. It's closer to being, like, a super matte dark brown. Like, a yeah, really, right. really dark brown. Like, there's a natural... I don't know what it is. Like it's definitely, it is black. Okay. It's definitely black. And I'm just, a, I'm just a crazy person, but <laughs> you put something covered in Steinal Res next to something covered in the Vallejo and they're two different colors and they're significantly different. Um, yeah. And the Steinal Res is like incredibly matte, like really, really, really matte. Um, so I tried that and then hit it with the same AK extreme metals, which I think is, a dark bronze, and then I highlight it with a, um, a burnt metal color. Mm -hmm. um, and all of a sudden, it's exactly what I always wanted. It was the perfect color, um, and it's all working. 
and the only difference is this undercoat. Um, so yeah, I'm kind of happy with that, that I've finally sorted it out. Um, now the next step is working out how I get away with glossing these guys to be able to do the oil washes on them. Um, and then being able to mat them down without having the same problem again. So I'm trying to work out what the answer to that is. Um, so do you minute. think it's the, the surface of the stone or res or the color of it that's, or a combination that that's made the difference for you? I think it's, I, I think it's the color more than anything. Mm -hmm. Um, because the, the Vallejo still preps the surface really well. Like it, it wasn't, the problem I was having was not like a pooling issue or a consistency issue. Yeah. It was like, when I look at the color of the paint and I'm like, that's exactly what I want. And I test spray it on something and it comes out. Okay. And then I hit it on the model and it, it changes doesn't. when it dries. Yeah. So, so it's the right color when it's wet, but when it dries on the Vallejo, it, it changes color. Whereas on the Steinal res, it hits the model as one color and stays that color. Yeah, so I think cool. it's the color of the base coat as opposed to being like, you know, whatever it is. I've got a bottle of gloss Steinal res. So, I mean, I could even try that um, and run it over the top and see if it gives me a, sort of a better color, mm. if that kind of makes sense. Um, yeah. But no, really happy with that. So I want to fly through these um, eight dudes I've got here. Don't ask me why there's eight in a Stern Guard squad instead of ten. <laughs> I think I might have run out of bits when I was building them a while ago. So <laughs> there's, there's eight dudes, uh, which is really awesome. And I've sort of gone a bit nuts Um because I managed to get a whole lot of the super high collar power armor torsos. Um, so they're not, oh, like yeah. the, um, they're not the death watch torsos. It's like, you used to get one of them. The sergeant one, the Mark eight sergeant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Used the, to the, get. the Mark yeah. eight sergeant. So every dude in the squad's got Mark eight sergeant torso. Awesome. Um, every dude's got like, um, scope and drum mag on their bolter. Uh, most of the dudes have got running legs out of the assault squad box. Yes. Um, and they've all got like um, the embossed minotaur shoulder pads and stuff like that. So um, yeah, kind of just like a, a bit of a labor of love from a modeling perspective for me as well, which is kind of cool. So Did I'm now just trying to work anywhere? out. Uh, I literally just posted a photo of one of them on the Badaboo Reenactment Society to prove awesome. that I wasn't dead and I was hobbying. So. <laughs> I'll go um, check it out after the show. Yeah, I'll, I'll pop it up on the, the show as well. Um, but the other thing is I'm trying to work out if I want to do these guys with like sandy bases, which is what I did for the Terminators a couple of years ago, which mm -hmm. worked quite well. Um, but I'm wondering whether I want to do red dust and then like bring mm. the pigments up into the armor cracks and stuff. That'd be cool. Um, and just sort of use that to add a bit more contrast in color because they are very, they're quite dark. Yeah. Um, yeah, which I like about it, but I mean, yeah, in, in, introducing, and I mean, they've already got red in, obviously, the chapter symbol and the rest of that, so I'm thinking, might work. So, yeah, that'd be give, cool. Ha have a go at doing that. Um, and then the only other thing I've sort of been hobbying on, apart from events and stuff, is I picked up the Power Knight Enforcer Squad for Necromunda and the Power Knight Enforcer Subjugators for Necromunda when I was at um, Combat Company for our event the other day. Because I've been trying... I love the models, but I don't like them as Arbites and Enforcers. And I've mm -hmm. been trying to work out what I want to use them as. And I was talking to somebody about Zone Mortalis stratagems. Hmm. And I remembered that there was a stratagem in Zone Mortalis for a unit of naval armsmen with shotguns. 
And I was like, I'm going to build some naval armament with shotguns for our next <laughs> event. Nice. Um, so somebody can have those in Stone Mortalis. So I've been building those dudes. So I've got the um, the non-subjugators, so the dudes with just shotguns. They're all built. Uh, I was trying to work out what helmets I wanted to use because I don't like the Enforcer helmets. And I think the um, the one I've found is the helmeted head for Canis Rex's pilot from the night kit. So it's entirely possible I'm about to spend double the money it costs for the miniatures just buying heads for them. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I might have one of those helmets for you, possibly oh, even nice. two. Nice. So I actually... Um, I, so I actually... Like, I couldn't find anything. I was in, like, all these different group chats with you guys, like, being like, I don't know what helmets I want. And then this dude, like, I was just flicking through Facebook, and this dude had posted a naval armsman using the same kit. Um, and then he was, and I'm like, what the fuck is that helmet? And I clicked on the comments, and the first comment from somebody else was, they're amazing, what helmet is that? And he's like, oh, it's the night pilot helmet. So, mm-hmm. um, oh, yeah, I'm nice. going to try and find uh find like 15 of those to finish these dudes off but um yeah that should be a cool little side project that i and, and i mean i think i'm going to um doug you sent me the details for the scarus fleet guys which is like black and gray so i'm thinking it'll be like gray gray undersuit with like black armor um and then i think there was red and red and gold details or something uh, like yeah that, that sounds right something like that yeah, so I think I'm going to do that. And then I've got a bunch of um, Aeronautica transfers for like my Thunderbolts that I'm not going to use. And they're the perfect size with the Imperial Navy symbol to go in the chest of the Enforcer, where you usually put the Enforcer decal. Oh, nice. Yeah, actually they are. I, I did the exact reverse. I used uh, Enforcer decals on or transfers on my planes. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You have some service to give to Andrew then. <sighs> Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, that's kind of well. I've I've got tons. I'm only doing 15 dudes. Um, there was the potential they were going to turn into another Scion Force or something, but I've got enough of those dudes. I think I'm I'm fine. So, yeah, that's uh, that's my hobby at the moment. Cool. Very cool. Awesome. Uh, well, what we might do in that case, that's everybody's signals from the front. So we're going to take a short break. Top glasses. Uh, wash off paintbrushes, and then we'll be back with our main segment talking about uh, Chapter 1 of the Siege of Asphodel Bridge. For sure. See you on the other side. And we're back. Uh, so for our main segment today, we're going to be talking about uh, Chapter 1 of the Siege of Asphodel Bridge, which was last Saturday. So I think Doug worked it out before. We were, what, like six days on, five days on or something, Doug? Uh, I precise... did no maths on that. <laughs> five days All on. I know is there was an event a while ago, and I was there. <gasps> yes, you and were. And was part I of saw... the EO team. I saw him That's... there. That's it, and uh, and we have one of the uh, the war masters, the trader war master with us. Uh, Deej is still here, yep, uh, which is really really cool. Um, so yeah, uh, first thirty k event that we've run in 
a year and a bit, which was um, pretty crazy, and at a new venue. So we're playing at the Combat Company in Mortdale, um, which was a really amazing venue to play at, actually. Yeah, um, really good. W- w- was was definitely up there as far as like any sort of venue. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was really really nice, and I guess like the the, the particulars for it was we had uh, we had a full house. Uh, which was not particularly a lot of people because their play space is still quite small. I know they're expanding it uh, over the next sort of few months or thereabouts, but it was really nice. We had 16 people, I think. Um, right. some, uh, yeah. Yeah. I think, I think there were 16 people, uh, people playing. And then I was kind of floating around doing EO things, uh, which was awesome. We had uh, most people playing 30 K. Uh, but then we had uh, Rob and Ben playing Titanicus uh, for the day, which was sort of linked into the campaign as well. Um, so that was very, that was awesome. Um, so what I was thinking we might do is a quick bit of fluff and sort of explain some of the fluff side of stuff for people um, so they get a bit of an idea and then maybe we can go through, or you guys can go over your games and DJ can give us kind of like the Warmaster perspective on stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and go from there. Does, does, does that work for you guys? Sounds good. Awesome. Yeah, it works for me. Um, excellent. So, do you want to spearhead the fluff side of things then, Andrew? Uh, yeah, look, I'll, I'll jump into that. So, the the fluff behind the Siege of Asphalt Bridge is the planet Charon 2, uh, which is the only inhabitable planet in the Asphodel system. Um, is basically like the last imperial planet on the eastern fringe of the galaxy. And during the Great Crusade, a crusade fleet out of Ultramar, which was sort of just heading off into the void, they were they were going to kind of keep going until they bumped into something. Um, they came across this system, and it was, you know, they, they realized quite quickly it was special because it was sort of at the end of, you know, a fairly stable warp route out of Ultramar. So that on its own made it kind of, you know, quite valuable. Um, and that's into the that's into the Asphodel system. And so they used it as like a, a stop-off, like Waypoint and the uh, cartographers that all the uh, Crusade fleets had with them that were out, you know, filling in star maps for the Imperium and everything else during the Great Crusade and plotting everything and collecting that data. Um, they were sort of like, well, okay, look, we're here for a little while. Um, we'll sort of check out what, you know, these planets are in the system and what sort of sun it is and the rest of it. And they came across Charon 2, which was, you know, fairly amicable to human life uh, as far as they worked out. And they went, this is amazing. We can put turn this into a way station. Um, they were there for a short period of time and... Uh, the crusade fleet that was there uh, that was set up in sort of, you know, their standard picket formation and um, started to register a massive warp signature, except instead of being in the outer, like the outer reaches of the Asphodel system, which is where the warp route was, it was sort of right over the planet of Charon, uh, sort of in the middle of their fleet. Uh, and it was a giant space Hulk um, that sort of fell out of the warp right on top of the planet. Uh, which is not really something that should be able to happen. Um, so they, you know, <laughs> apart from sort of screaming and shitting themselves, which was what was going on with the Imperial 
plate as this giant space hulk sort of appeared out of nowhere and started you know getting stuck into them and just you know removing like blowing out capital ships and um sort of just floating over the top of you know smaller escorts and, and scuttling them on its hull and that sort of stuff um they're like hmm there's something interesting going on in this system what seems to be the case uh so that that original crusade fleet eventually overpowered the space hulk um the space marines decided that the best way to deal with this giant you know this ship that is so humongous well multiple ships that's so humongous that you know lances and nova cannons and torpedoes just don't do anything to it because it's you know like part floating moon asteroid thing part you know spaceship conglomerate um was they just started ramming capital ships into it um and then boarding it so they decimated the um the crusade fleet um and lost a ton of irreplaceable ships but they ended up destroying it from the inside out Mm. uh, which is kind of cool uh and bits of it rained down onto charon um so it's a fairly significant chunk sort of reshaped part of the surface of charon um one of the sort of the inland seas exists because a giant chunk of um space hulk crashed into the planet and caused some upheavals uh so anyway they they sort of went ah crap you know we can't go anywhere now uh so they sort of stayed there in system and sent messages back to ultramar and gilliman's thoughts on the matter is you know this is an incredibly important place to turn into like a fortress world uh, for the Imperium, because obviously it's on the edge of our space, and there seems to be the ability to sort of exit the warp safely in system. Um, so, yeah, just just a very important point in space. So that what Gilman decided was we're going to set up a garrison world, and being the politician and not wanting to upset any of his brothers, um, his suggestion on the matter was that every legion should give some sort of strength to the garrison world uh, so you've ended up with a planet that has representatives from all 18 legions now some chap uh, some legions only sent very small um, forces like less than chapter strength so like the white mm-hmm. scars only sent a very small company-sized force and they don't have any fixed position uh whereas you know um the iron warriors sent a very large force there obviously the ultramarines have the largest force out of anybody because they're the regents of the planet um so it was kind of something that we were trying to work out how to get all the legions together in one place um sensibly so that's kind of uh what's been done is it's a planet full of space marines uh and they need to be there because there's really no other force that can you know protect that part of the imperium and if anything gets in there and, and overruns them, they've then got a very open sort of pathway back into Ultramar. Um, so Gilman obviously wants that very much protected. Um, so that sort of leads us up to the beginning of the Siege of Asphodel Bridge. So the warp route is the Asphodel Bridge, and Charon sits sort of right in the middle of it. And because they're not part of Ultramar, uh, they're still to the east of Ultramar. They weren't caught up in the warp storms and Kalth and everything else that was going on. So they're sitting out there and their only sort of contact with the Imperium is if a Crusade fleet leaves the Imperium past them or one re-enters Imperial space, uh, which doesn't happen that often. So it, it's, it's glorified guard duty, but, you know, there's a good reason for them to do it. 
Um, what sort of has started to happen is they're, they're hearing bits and pieces that something's happened in Ultramar, potentially, and they can't contact anybody. They don't know what's going on. Um, and then not long after that, uh, a very small force of um, Raven Guard appear out of nowhere and they don't mean to turn up at Charon, but they do. And they appear in um, basically high orbit coming out of, um, out of the warp. Uh, they never get blown out of the sky until they realize that they're space marines as well. Um, and they were fleeing Istvan and they just got caught up in a warp storm thrown off course and it spat them out at Charon. And so they sort of turned up and went, holy shit, there is a giant, there is a picket of like space marine ships here. And some of them are loyalists, some of them are traitors. Um, except nobody knew uh, what was going on that was there at Charon. Um, so they sort of turn up and go, all these other guys you've got here on the planet are all traitors. You need to do something about it. And they're about to, you know, go and try and start fighting, you know, these thousands and thousands of, you know, iron warriors and sons of Horus and all that sort of stuff. And unbeknownst to the loyalists, obviously the traders bought the lodges with them. They bought the word bearers chaplains with them. Um, and that also very quietly started purging um, the forces on Charon um, in line with sort of Istvan and everything else kicking off because they still have access through the, um, like their, their demon telecom network that the word bearers sort of set up. They know what's going on. Um, so the moment the Raven Guard guys turned up, everything started going to shit. Um, some of the traders started fortifying positions. Um, a lot of the loyalists had no idea what was going on. The Ultramarines were like, hang on, these guys are our battle brothers. This sounds too insane. Nothing's going on. Somebody go and talk to the Iron Warriors. Somebody go talk to the Alpha Legion and the Sons of Horus guys. Um, and that was sort of the beginning of the weekend's event was... Nobody was quite sure who was on whose side. Uh, and actually, Deju came up with some two with two really amazing narrative missions out of Book 8. Uh, yep. I think the first one was the Lua, was it? Yep, yep, that's the one. And I can't remember what the second one was called. I'd have to look it up again, but yeah. Yeah, they, but were, was, they were both straight out of Book 8. Yeah, but it was, it was really awesome because it was like, you know, it put your HQs out in front of your army and you couldn't, the other guys couldn't shoot them to start off with and all sorts of stuff. So it was kind of like you know they were trying to parlay and work out what was who's going who, on yeah uh, who's who in the zoo and then everything just goes fucking you know completely sideways. From there so uh that's where it was at the beginning of the day obviously throughout the day the um, second sorry the second one was tendrils of doubt yeah awesome um so those two were like super themey for us. Uh, and I know most people had never played them before. So it was a lot of fun. Mm. Like there was even a little bit of extra confusion into how it kind of all worked and went together, which suited it. Um, so yeah, so and throughout the day, it was a case of like fortifying positions and striking those first blows. And by the end of the day, the loyalists actually came out on top. So as much as they had been mainly surprise attacked uh, across most of Charon, uh, they've been able to defend and push back pretty well. Although, I mean, you know, where we're, we're both sides are above 100 campaign points at the moment after one event, and there's like eight points separating the two teams, I think. Um, so it's still super, super, super close. Like, there's, there's basically no difference. There's no way to say somebody's winning or somebody else is winning at the moment. 
Um, so where we where we are at the moment with uh, the narrative of, of Asphodel Bridge is we know who the traders are, we know who the loyalists are, and it's now going to be a case of each side will dig in and try and route the other side off the planet. Um, if there's any sort of crazier esoteric schemes going on on, say, like the trader side, we don't know about those yet. We don't know if there's anything there. Um, and we don't know of any other forces or anything, if there are any around the place that are um, exerting any sort of control. Um, the only one would be is there, there are some wild orcs on Charon that are a relic from the, um, the Space Hulk crashing. So um, they're sort of running around, but they're in such small numbers and, and sort of in like the northern and the southern reaches of the planet that they don't really have much of an impact. They're not going to come out and sort of wipe out a, a space marine um, citadel or anything like that. Um, so, yeah, that, that's kind of where Charon is at at the moment after, uh, after the event. So maybe you guys want to talk about the actual games that you played and, and how your sides worked and stuff. Mm hmm. Sure. Well, we were both traders. So, DJ, do you want to start and give like a bit of an overview and talk through your games, and then I'll follow up with my games? Sure. Um, so, yeah, we, uh, as Andrew said, this was like the opening uh, scene. So, we had the map camp campaign um, style that he made up. The I think you ended up getting it printed, luckily, the day before because you've been working on it for some time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I sort of ran around like four different printers in Ultimo going, who can print me AO size in like 20 minutes? In, and like, like people classic. basically <laughs> yeah, threw me out of their store. And then there was this guy that was just like, oh, show me the file. And he looked at it and he was like, ah, oh, gamer, give me 45 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> yeah, so we had... um. We had a few random uh, territories already seized for both sides and um, uh, both of us had sort of a mix of different kinds of zones. So different zones give different benefits, but either in the campaign stage on the maps or within games. Um, and then the vast majority of the vast majority of the uh, hexes were actually uh, empty because no one had actually seized them yet. Um, so... Richard was the opposing war master because uh, unfortunately Steve wasn't around. So he was the loyalist uh, war master. And um, we basically went about divvying up, you know, who got what, um, terrain, who fought over what terrain. Um, you know, uh, first round, he, he uh, won the initiative. So he went first um, of either choosing to attack one of my territories or um trying to claim one of the neutral territories which i don't think he did um whereas i i, I was like keen to grab some of the the neutral territories because there's there's cool interactions just um to stop um people not wanting to fight in them so basically andrew might be able to explain it better but basically if there's a a neutral or empty territory if um say i as the traders choose to attack it and the loyalists can't be bothered to defend it, then I automatically get it, which is great for me. Um, so obviously you want to try and prevent that, but what's the benefit of then the loyalists um, denying it to me other than just not getting any, you know, other than me just not getting it? Um, I mean, and Andrew worked out this great way of they sort of get the, if, if I attack a, a blank territory and uh, they successfully come to its aid and defend it and, and deny deny it to me. They actually get the benefit of the area, but not they're not able to launch attacks from that position. And then later on, if they um, 
are successful in either defending it or we attack it again or something like that, then um, it goes straight to being garrisoned. So it's actually a, a pretty cool way of making sure um, uh, the neutral territories actually come into play. And because there's so many of them that are blank as well, um, I was hoping to maybe snag one or two blank ones, but Rich didn't fall for my game, so he went, he went straight for denying them. Because um, I wanted to see us like chew up a bit more of the map straight away, but that's all right. Um, yeah, so did, anyway, yeah, did, basic. Sorry. Did did either side get a blank territory without it being defended at all? Because I don't think no. that happened. No. I think because I, I went for a few. I went everything. for a few blank territories that also had no perks associated with it. Thinking if yeah. he's going to not do any of them, it's going to be one of those. Like because you know, if I go for an airfield or a you know munitions, obviously he's going to defend one of those. So I thought, oh, I'll, I'll take the gamble and go for just a blank one. But he he um. He didn't go for it. Um, and obviously, if I had done that, then it would go to his choice again, which could put him in a stronger position. So it's sort of a bit of a, a trade-off, obviously. Um, but, yeah, so we there was, there was some new people at the event, which was awesome, some some that I hadn't met before, and some people oh, who yeah, were just yeah, were... getting new into the heresy and all that, which was awesome. Yeah, and there, was, there accounts, was a, a couple of guys there that, like, I, I'd met, uh, like, I mean, uh, Kale, um, yep. who I know some, I think you might've known him previously, but like he, I think he came and watched for like 15 minutes at an event we ran two years ago mm-hmm. and then found us again through, I think Hayden, he's one of Hayden's clients, commission yep. painting clients, maybe, um, or something like that. Um, and then, I mean, there was, um, so did you talk to, to Lockie, to Lockhorn? Uh, was he the Raven really? one? Yeah, yeah, Raven Guard's player, like yeah, really nice. tall dude. Yeah, no, no, what lovely guy. He messaged me on like Friday morning and was like, "Oh, by the way, I'm coming to your event tomorrow." Um, oh, awesome. Blah 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 blah. And I was like, "Oh, oh, um, cool. I've never met you or anything like that." But like, this is awesome. And he's just like, "Oh yeah, I was just searching around and saw that there was something in my area." So I was like, "I'm totally doing that." Perfect. Um, and I mean, I spoke to to him and Kale at the end of the event, and they're just like, "No, we will be at every single one from now on." This was mad fun. Yeah, um, Kale, Kale, yeah was on, that was awesome. Kale was on my side and we were having a bit of a chat. Like, I hadn't met him before, but we were just having great chats and stuff and he just seemed super enthused about the heresy. So that was awesome, awesome to get to meet him. I probably won't get to play him unless, like, some shenanigans happen at some point considering we're both traders, but that's okay. Um, but, no, he just seemed like a really cool guy. He said he'd just been keen for the heresy for ages and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's like he was just really excited that we were up and running and um, had events happening. Yeah, nice. Yeah, Excellent. so... so um, shall we talk yeah. about our game ones? Yeah, so I ended up facing off against Richard um, because we divvied up everyone else beforehand. Um, and uh, he put his Praetor with a... I think it was like a Headhunter squad in the in the centre of the table. Um, they were the, the Ultramarines and um, something like Headhunters or Seekers or one of those sorts of things. And um, put put his uh, warlord in there, and I had a warlord on a jet bike, which I've never run before. I was trying to, um, you know, play with some things that I don't normally play with. So I had a praetor on jet bike with a jet bike squadron, and um, two sicrons, which I've, I've never really used before. So um, anyway, I had them there. Um, he had the first turn, and now with this mission, um, most of your army's back in your normal deployment zones, and we're playing lengthways on the table, and. Um, no one can actually hurt your praetor, or sorry, your, I should say, your general, or the, the unit they're attached to in that front no-man's land. And then there's a chance after deployment 
that the no man's the the generals areas actually flip. So instead of having you know your army on the left and my army on the right, and then a gap between each and our um, generals in the center, you actually flip them back to front. So now I'm actually closer to his main forces, and his generals actually closer to my main forces. Um, so we didn't um, have have that happen to us. But even still, he had a Spartan on my ass and a Land Raider, maybe two, almost straight away. And our jet bikes all had multi-melters and melter bombs and stuff like that. So I thought, because they were the heavy support version. So I thought, oh, you know, there's no point. Like, I obviously could jet them off and hide them and do all that sort of stuff. Because from the second turn onwards, they can be uh, attacked and, and killed. Um, I, I thought, stuff it, you know. If I've got all this melter stuff and he's got a Spartan right up, it, right up at me, you know, it's sort of... Uh, all or nothing and I went for it and with all the multi-melters they failed to hit and then the melter bombs only one of them managed to penetrate and then like nothing happened so he only was able to take one hot help point off and then just drove forward and um, everyone else who'd been sort of embedded around the Spartan just unleashed onto my boys and, and took them out in that one turn so I was like oh well so that was basically the that was basically the game gone straight up, but that was all right. Um, so we just kept playing and just trying to cause as much mayhem as possible and stuff like that. But it was a, it was a great fun game for that first one, um, and I really liked trying something from the books that you know I, well I'd never played, it, and that was one of the reasons why I went for it, both because it's so thematic, but also because I figured it was a game that um, n- not many of the people had played before, if any. What about yourself? Yeah, Tom? yeah. Yeah, so we obviously were playing the Lure as well. Um, so I had brought my Aeronautica stuff down because, uh, in theory, that's sort of what I'm looking after over the um, over the Siege of Asphodel Bridge, but nobody else rocked up, so 462 Squadron claims undisputed control of the sky for Chapter 1. Um, <laughs> victory by default. Default, uh, default. That's right. And so instead of playing as... Would... Is... Sorry, go. They, they were doing quite a few bombing runs across other people's tables. Yeah, that's right. Just busy dropping payloads. Um, that's it. Yeah, and apparently loading extra dudes into their cargo holds on the on the destroyers and just, like, airdropping dreadnoughts. Terminators and, and dreadnoughts yeah. and shit on people. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> Seems fair. I'd kick a dreadnought out the back of a marauder. Just load him up in the bomb rack. Yeah, it's just, it's just Operation Dumbo Drop, man. Pretty much, yeah. right? Um... Uh, so instead, at, at Andrew's uh, behest, I had also brought House Rainwood, my night house, um, and I then proceeded to educate people uh, in the ways of maximum gallantry, <laughs> which was a lot of fun. So, uh, you know who I imagine is a very gallant fellow? Mm-hmm. Marnius Calgar. Oh, who who was that again? That would be Lord McCrag, chapter master of the Ultramarines. Uh, <laughs> sadly, he's not around yet. He's still a, he's still a few millennia away. <laughs> but he does seem acquainted with maximum gallantry. Oh, excellent! Which is good. Um, but yeah, no. So that was that was the list. The list was basically five knights and an armager. Um, and the fluff that I had written for them was they're not specifically traitor or loyalist. Um, they had they're from a forge world that exists outside of imperial jurisdiction at this point in imperial history. Um, they've signed on for the duration of the Great Crusade. Uh, and as soon as the Space Marines or the, or the gun pigs started shooting at each other, they went, okay, well, Great Crusade's over, let's go home. Um, and so their entire shtick for Chapter 1 was fighting from wherever they were deployed, hunting orcs for sport. Um, 
back to somewhere that could airlift them back to their ship and then they could bugger off back to home. Um, so game one, they rock up and there's a Death Guard artillery company uh, sitting there issuing like identify friend or foe requests. Um, not wanting to be delayed by any sort of conversation or exchange of any information at all, House Rain would open fire. Yeah. <laughs> um, as it turns out, our two warlords actually passed each other, so we did get the flip on the, the lure thing. So my warlord ended up closer to his army, his warlord ended up closer to mine, which wasn't exactly what I wanted, because I, I had hoped I would get at least one turn of shooting at him. Um, but that's okay. The, um, the knight gallant was directly opposite anyway, so he charged the gallant, and the gallant proceeded to stomp his warlord flat on turn one. <laughs> um, so Lord Magnus claimed that particular scalp. So uh, piloted by Adrian, Adrian Hawthorne, friend of the show. Um, his warlord went to go shake hands with my gallant, and my gallant stepped on him. Uh, so that was basically the game there, and then it was just the knights sort of moving up, cleaning people out, killing targets, and away we go. Yeah, and I, th I think Adrian was a loyalist Death Guard. Was that correct? He was. Yes. Yeah. So, so that's 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 sort of the other side of the um, the fluff I didn't sort of mention before was um, we wanted to allow people that you know like Adrian or myself that have a, a penchant for running like loyalist Death Guard and you know that like loyalist Thousand Sons and stuff. We wanted to have like a narrative reason for that. Um, so we're hoping to see like some traitor loyalist forces and loyalist traitor forces from mm. different people throughout the um, campaign. Because, I mean, it's something that definitely happened. Like, I'm still not convinced there are any loyalist night lords anywhere. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, it, it definitely happens in, like, the canon and stuff like that. You just never seem to see people do that at events. Um, and there never seems to be much structure to it like i mean like shattered legions you get a little bit with it so that's something cool we want to see people do it um at asphodel mm, sure well, that's another thing there's always the the cases like say the white scars where they're not setting out as being either loyalist or traitor it's just they're trying to figure out what the heck's going on because that they, they get the memory later than everyone else and then Jagadai wants to go loyalist even though he's a bit of a fence seater and was closer to magnus but some of his troops want to go traitor so then some of them try and you know put put that rebellion down and then he comes back and puts it down some more and you know so yeah, there's definitely a, so much space for that sort of that gray blurring particularly because we we've set our campaign out on a planet out in the far far reaches where there's you know like you said not very good communications yeah um, and there's no and there's no primarchs out there keeping people in line so i mean like exactly totally conceivable that some of the forces that were sent to charon by their primarchs or their command structures were the misfits or the guys they just wanted to fucking piss Get off into of. the darkness. Um, so, I mean, like, you know, they... Yeah, so they're the ones who just sort of fight their way through and disappear off into the wild blue yonder, right? Mm. Well, yeah, like, that was one of the things about having, say, the... Um... The white scars, because you know, it doesn't make, really make a lot of sense for say the white scars to be mm. um, held up in some building somewhere when there's open plains and orcs to be slaughtered and murdered and stuff like that. Um, and you know, say something like the the um, imperial fists, you know, they they got immediately to um, 
starting to fortify some of their ultramarine structures and the ultramarine is obviously busy you know running the the planet and the warp gate and obviously taking notes and drawing diagrams and whatever else it is that they do make books up that they want everyone to follow but half them don't um and meanwhile like the alpha legion turn up with only one legionnaire who comes in and introduces himself as alpharis of course um and everyone's sort of like oh this is a bit curious where's everyone else he's like well you said you wanted a delegation i'm the delegation like you didn't yep. say you needed 10 or 20 or 100 so you've got one because we've got better things to do with our time and they're like oh that's a bit you know whatever and just you know basically ignore them because it's alpha legion they just do weird shit but then as soon as um you know the the curtain is pulled back and you know the traders start attacking loyalists and the lodge systems revealed to actually be you know this corrupt organization um all of these sort of like you know uh not accidents obviously but they'd like you to think there are accidents all these you know sabotaged systems break down or cults start rising on sort of stuff like that because even though we thought there was only one alpha legionnaire as is their um their way they've actually seeded a bunch of alpha legionnaire and operate and alpha legion operatives throughout the planet because they were one of the, the legions that actually knew the heresy was coming quite a bit before it was so they've been able to sort of fall plan so that way we give our, ourselves a chance to um do some interesting things with the the narrative not just for you know mission wise but for the story wise so we've got some things that suit the legions that we have uh playing yeah but Speaking of games, uh, how was your game two? Yeah, it's good. Um, I'm just trying to remember who I played because we, uh, Rich and I, wanted to make sure that we didn't end up um, playing each other again. Mm. Um, so this is the one that's uh, tendrils of Dr- of doubt. So it's um, in uh, book eight again, and it's the first of the the destruction phase uh, missions. So I thought that'd obviously be a good one to um, give a run. Um, again, like not, not sort of maybe not as unique as the first one that we did. Um, but again, it's, it's still some, something different. Um, basically you've put down two objective markers and, um, secretly you note one of them that's going to be your primary one and the other one's a secondary and, um, and your opponent obviously does the same. And then if you've both chosen the same marker to be the primary one, um, that one's worth five victory points, and the other one's only worth one. Whereas if you've both chosen different ones, they're both your the primary one is worth four victory points, and the secondary one is worth two victory points. Um, and then it's got a few of the other, um, you know, normal things like first blood and line breaker and slay the ward and stuff like that. Um, I went up against a porphy. Who was it? Scott. Uh, sure Scott. It was... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was Scott, it was wasn't Scott's... it? Yeah, so he was playing yeah. Loyalist Thousand Sons. That's right. Because um, I was trying to picture in my, my brain what, what was holding down the left flank. But, yeah, he had a giant Porphy. So I was like, well, you know, I think I put Josh up against the Porphy first round, not knowing there was a Porphy in the list. So I went, okay, well, I'll I'll cop it on the chin then. And also, you know, Scott's a great guy. I don't think we've played for – like, I don't even know if we've played Heresy together ever. But, like, we haven't played a game for at least sort of 10 years, like back in – you know, either Lord of the Rings or, or 40K or something like that. So it'd been a while, so it was a great great excuse to get to play. And um, we've both got a very similar attitude towards our games in terms of just there for a laugh and, and you know, a good time and, and make some cool narrative stuff happen. So um, being Alpha Legion, I started with only three things on the table because um, um, 
we're Trixie and also I was kind of scared of the Porphy, let's be real. Um, so I fed him the two Sikorins and the, the, the Contempt of Dreadnought I actually managed to get um, further up the table because the deployment's a giant triangle. And in the middle of our table was like a big landing pad that actually is, you know, um, the base level of it sits probably about two inches off the tabletop. And then it had some crates and stuff on top of that as well. So I was actually able to get it right up the very front there and um, shield it from the Porphy's firing arcs, which is what kept it alive, obviously. Um, and then I slowly brought my stuff on from the the sides, except for when my um, general tried to deep strike on, because, because we both had... I can't remember which one it is. I think it was a, uh, it was a planetary defense one, was it? Uh, the one that lets you deep strike and also do a bombing run? That's that the, was the airfield. Airfield, sorry. Thank you. Yeah. So we had both from our respective teams been given the airfield bonus, So which meant we, we got to um, deep strike a unit um, which normally can't, which normally doesn't get deep strike, deep struck, whatever. Um, and we also got a free bombing run. Um, so when I first came on, my I scattered a little bit, my guys landed, and all bar one could fit in that perfect little circle. Um, and so because of that, they went straight back up to space to come in on the next round and bring their bombing run with them next round. Um, luckily, when Scott did the same to me, his bombing run didn't hurt me too badly. I was able to get take down, I think, nine of his Marines on the bombing run, but he just had overwhelming firepower and been able to sort of take me apart bit by bit. Um, I'd put a couple of um, hull points up taking a couple of hull points off of the, the Porphy, um, but not enough that it was like looking too sickly or anything like that. So I was just mostly going for those objectives. So I think we ended up tying because we both had our own and he, he just wasn't, because of that, the height of that center plate, he just wasn't able to wipe out all of my Marines because my rhinos um, had been destroyed, but weren't blown up. So they stayed as like cover and things like that. And um, he was obviously comfortably holding his one. So um, that was pretty cool. And we tied on secondaries as well. So it was a, a tie all round for us, so that's cool. Nice. What about yourself, Yeah, so I played Manny and his Salamanders. So uh, House Rainwood had fought clear of the, the Death Guard Artillery Company and uh, had now found themselves at the at the gates of one of the hive cities that the Loyalists had held, um, fighting their way to the port, basically. So their idea is they're going to fight to the port, get into their bulk lifters, and then bugger off back to orbit. Um, so the salamanders ride out to meet them. Um, they sent so exactly the same mission. So it's still sort of hammer and anvil style deployment where you're deploying on the short edges. Um, and uh, one so one player gets to determine where the objectives are, and then you both sort of determine which one's your objective. Um, so I ended up being the player who got to do that. So I placed both of the objectives out in the open with a nice clear field of vision for all of my knights to take pot shots at. Uh, Manny salamanders as they jumped out and tried to hold those objectives um, which meant that yeah it was mm, foregone conclusion is the wrong word but uh, the sheer amount of firepower that knights can throw out is pretty killer um, and I rolled the warlord trait that gives knights plus one to armor penetration rolls and to wound rolls on the first turn of the game while they're within 12 inches of their warlord um, which was a bit rough <laughs> yeah nice <laughs> Yep. Um, so a lot of things blew up turn one. The little the little armager, Helverin, who I had running around all day, uh, snuck in a couple of shots and destroyed the Sakaran Arcus that was sort of running down the road to meet the, 
the um, knights. Um, Avenger Gatling cannon fire blew away the the quad mortar crew, uh, and by that stage, a lot of his anti tank had sort of evaporated. Um, the only thing left that was a real threat was the Spartan carrying a bunch of fire drakes, which was sort of trundling up his right flank, so my left, um, which I threw my knight gallant at. The gallant quite happily killed the Spartan by kicking it to death, as you would expect. Um, but then the fire drakes piled out and beat the crap out of uh, Lord Magnus. So Lord Magnus detonated, um, took, I think, maybe one fire drake with him. Um, but that in- I had basically abandoned that entire flank except for the gallant, which meant that the fire drakes now had to walk across a relatively open field into the firepower of literally all of my knights. Uh-huh. Um uh, his warlord or his praetor was the last guy on the table, um, ending up sort of collapsing in turn, yeah, four-ish maybe, um, to just sustained Avenger Gatling cannon fire and battle cannon fire and basically everything I had. Um, so yeah, another win for the for House Rainwood, um, but I didn't want to write them out of the story completely at this stage, just in case we need them again as like a, a <laughs> That's it. level yeah, up. Bouncing. Yeah, so, no, um, big, so uh, big thank you for jumping in and doing that last time. That's all right. So what happened was the Salamanders put up enough of a defense that it took them a while to break through and get to their port. Um, and in the interim, battery and counter-battery fire between ships in orbit had destroyed their transport ship. Oh, no. So House Rainwood had gotten to the port, their lifters kind of weren't coming, um, and they couldn't raise their, their transport ship in orbit. Um, and so they've abandoned all hope of leaving the planet in any sort of timely manner uh, and are instead going to dig in in their old house fortress and wait out the whole thing. They'll sally forth when they need resources, but for now they're just staying put, and if anyone attacks them, woe betide them. Very nice. Yeah. Maybe I should pick a hex that they're actually just sitting in. Eh, <laughs> there we go. Just, just, uh, just take over and garrison a hex with... Um, yeah, with, with just the... knights. <laughs> yeah, why not? That sounds good. Well... The challenge is I don't I, I suspect they're probably not a big enough force to actually garrison like or to hold an entire territory. They're probably sitting in one tiny little corner of a hex somewhere, and they're just yeah. going to ride out and attack whoever occupies it. <laughs> yeah, like like I like I reckon you could have you would imagine that wherever they are is probably loyal to them. Yeah, so you might be able to have a bonus or something like that to some extent, um, but yeah. they're not going to be able to take over an entire hive with five knights. Yeah, exactly right. Um, yeah, and that's basically the state of play at this point, right? The the traders have made their intentions known, and the loyalists have repelled them reasonably comfortably, but everything is still very much on a knife edge uh, leading into Chapter oh, yeah. 2. Yeah, um, and so, yeah, ch- Chapter 2, uh, we've got a, a date for that set now, which is the Saturday the 2nd of May, so mm-hmm. a little bit over a little bit over two months away, uh, and we're going to be dropping details of that in the next couple of days. Once again, it'll be at the Combat Company, um, which I'm really looking forward to. So we'll put all of that up, uh, and if you want to come and play, or you know you think you might want to come and play, definitely hit us up. We can add you into. We've got like a trader and a loyalist war room going on Facebook for discussions and all of that sort of stuff as well, and a lot of strategies sort of taking place there so um yeah and i mean the other really cool thing i've noticed is a lot of guys are putting up like little bits of fluff and background since uh the first event last weekend so um, it's great to see everybody getting into it excellent 
Awesome. Uh, well, in that case, Doug will say uh, good night to you because yes, I know you've, uh, you've got to a run. Go. And uh, DJ, you and I might uh, close the show out tonight. Easy as. Excellent. Well, we will take a quick break and these guys will be back at you shortly. And uh, DJ and myself are back to close the show out. So as normal, uh, we're going to be starting off with our hobby hack for this week. And as we're saying at the beginning of the show, we're going to be talking about uh, something that's not quite uh, painting and modeling, uh, but it's definitely sort of hobby adjacent. And that is cheat sheets. Uh, So like quick references and things like that uh, for any sort of game you play. But obviously, most of the games that Games Workshop produces do suffer from you know, needing 80 different books to play a, a single army. Um, so, I mean, cheat sheets are something, and it's a bit of a shame Doug's not here because he's the person that I think does it the best out of a lot of us. Yeah, for uh, sure. Like, he'll, he'll print, like, mini, mini dexes out at, like, office works and stuff like that. Um, it's just got, the, mini, uh, just got the, the unit entries he needs and the special rules and the stratagems that he needs in, like, a little pamphlet, which is really cool. Um, but even like a single A4 sheet that's got some reminders on it. And I mean, like I've seen cheat sheets that are literally just say like, don't forget the psychic phase. Yeah. Um, or like, don't forget you've got like a ward trait and to roll that and that sort of thing. So, you know, it's one of those things where, especially if you're a, a newer player, having something that sort of walks you through your army and mm. the way you would do certain things with your armies, like if you've got like army-wide special rules, you can put them on there. Um, if you're going to interact quite heavily in the psychic phase, remind yourself that the psychic phase is there and what you've got to do to set up for it. Um, all that sort of stuff. Uh, if you're the sort of person where there's like always that one weapon profile you forget, uh, write it on your cheat sheet or print it on your cheat sheet. Uh, and then just generally, if you know this is the army you're going to be playing with all year and it's pretty much set in stone. You could do something a bit nicer, um, maybe like unit cards, those sort of things. And obviously like you can make this stuff super narrative as well. So like you can like name your squads on them, have like your sergeants named if you're that sort of person. Uh, you could have, you know, like they don't have to just be sort of like word processed stuff in in like microsoft office um a lot of people got access to things like photoshop and illustrator um and you can always get like backgrounds and all sorts of cool things so, i mean uh actually uh nick's a really good example when i played his dark mechanicus army down at act um he had like a full-on mini codex with fluff and all sorts of stuff that he'd compiled um put together it also had all of his cheat sheets in it um so that was really cool and I mean, like, even if you don't have a great quality printer at home, Officeworks uh, here in Australia, and I know if you go to, like, you know, Kinko's and Staples and places like that overseas, um, they'll print stuff off. You, generally, you've got, like, you know, choices of, like, better, like, thicker paper. So not just 80 GSM stuff. If you do it at, like, 120, it'll last a bit longer. You can laminate stuff. 
Uh, and I mean, I've never heard of anybody having a problem with, you know, players using that sort of stuff. Uh, it saves a lot of time on the table uh, doing that sort of thing. It's easier for your opponent as well. Like if you've got some sort of odd special rule, like one that sort of comes to mind is if you're playing 40k as a Tau player, uh, save your protocols is like one of those, like your entire army might revol revolve around it, but it's a bit of an odd rule. So having it like written out somewhere immediately to grab and pass to your opponent is probably worthwhile doing. Um, I mean, if you're an ITC player, it's probably worth putting some stuff on about like secondaries uh, onto your cheat sheets and those sort of things, um, just to give you a bit of a prompt when you've got to choose that uh, coming up to a table or those sort of things. So it's not just something for 30k, it's you can use it across like any sort of game system. I mean, if you're playing fantasy flight stuff where you get the cards already or something with unit cards, like uh, Aeronautica is a good example. Um, you wouldn't add unit cards for that. You just use it to remind yourself special rules, special abilities, and kind of go from there. So uh, it would be, you know, advisable that if you have one army or a couple of different armies that you like playing with, uh, start putting cheat sheets together for it. And then, you know, if you forget something during a game and somebody reminds you of it, like an example was like, I totally forgot that Land Raiders in 30k had Power of the Machine Spirit. That's the sort of thing I would have on my cheat sheet for a while until I knew that was like ingrained again in me and then it would come off the cheat sheet. Um, so yeah, uh, cheat sheets are, are a hobby hack uh, and I might put some examples of some of the ones I've made and if I can get some of Doug's ones, we'll put those up on our Facebook and Instagram so people can get a bit of an idea of uh, what they are and how they work. Yeah, one, one thing I want to add to that, um, the, I'm pretty sure it's called AOS Reminders it's a website that this um, oh, Absolute yeah. Legends yeah, has, has done up. Yeah, specifically for Age of Sigma. And you go through, put in your army list, put in your warlord, put in all your units and all their traits and everything like that, and it will generate you a sheet and it tell you, uh, you know, basically step-by-step step what what um, uh, hero traits or whatever they're called um, you have, um, when you roll certain dice, what sort of extra saves you have, all that sort of stuff that's specific to your army. So as you're playing the game, you can have it right there and go, oh, that's right, I've got this extra save that gives me another chance or I've got a plus, you know, like because some, some of the things are very situational, like you might have a reroll against units that fly or, um, you know, spells when they're, you know, you know, only endless spells or only area of effect spells or things like that. So they'll have all that sort of information on there for you and that's all pre-generated. So if you're in... AOS player, that's a that's a great one. Um, it'd be great if there were other ones like that around for some of the other games. Not, there's none that I know of off the top of my head. Um, but yeah, yeah like I've also never, I've I've never come across like a 40k one or anything like that. Yeah, okay. Um, but yeah, like another another thing, like you were saying, like obviously if you were new or new to your army, another thing is if you've got a long event. Um, I don't know about you know yourself or, or others, but. You know, at the end, you know, let's say we've just been, you know, played three games in one day. That third game, I'm cactus. Like, I, I can barely remember. Oh, you yeah, know, 100%. You know, <laughs> I can barely remember to bring my Warlord on, let alone what his Warlord traits are. So for times like that, it's really helpful to have those cheat sheets there. Um, when we went down to Act, um, actually, actually, Axel printed off us all um, the, a, a laminated color cheat sheet, which is basically just the um, the reference table at the back of the, um, the rule book. So any times, you know, going up against toughness and strength um, or any of that sort of 
you know, any of those sort of normal things that we, you know, 90% of the time we remember, but at the end of a, a long day, especially if there's been some adult beverages imbibed. Beverages involved, they, yep. <laughs> exactly. They may not be the things that, that automatically come to mind. And sometimes it's just easier just to check on the sheet, especially because we ended up playing against not only, you know, like Mechanicum and things like that, but also we had um, the Elder, the 30K Elder Codex being used in there. So we're coming up against... Um, oh, entire yeah. armies and entire Necrons. units that we'd never played against. Yeah, exactly. Same with Necrons and stuff like that. So just having that there removed that extra step of thinking when it was a lot, particularly for me, because it was my last uh, game of the day when I played um, Elder. Um, just having it there so I didn't have to like try and think because it's not like, you know, it's not like they're even toughness for Marines, so you know, oh, fours, fours, four, you know, that sort of stuff like that. You're like, oh no, each unit's totally different. It's got its own strengths and weaknesses. So you've sort of got to go through. Um, yeah, and you know, think it's, of it. More it's than enough you to like throw you and have you just standing there with a handful of dice, staring at the table for like two or three minutes, going, "What the fuck am I doing again?" Yeah, yeah. exactly. And, and particularly yep. when you're coming back to it from a um, you know bit of a break, or if you're like you said, you, you're trying out a new way to run your army, or you're you're starting a, off a new army, um, and you having talked about Nick's booklet, he actually, I. Uh, got a copy he gave me a copy of it when we were down there just because i was um so busy you know telling him how great his army was basically and <laughs> and, and staring at it and asking him really annoying questions he probably just gave it to me to give me something to read to get me to leave him alone but it's about 50 pages this one it's, it's like you said it really oh, yeah, is yeah. like its, it's own insane. codex um <laughs> and then at the end of it it tells you who everyone is and has like the full proper spread and everything like that and then tells you at the very back what they're all counts as because they he hasn't made up any rules, any additional rules or anything. They're all um, straight out of the black books. He's just like reskinned them effectively. And I know Byron did yeah. that with Space Wolves. I know Jack did that with his Sons of Horus. Um, and a lot of these guys, they're putting the like wax seals on them, all that sort of stuff like that. So there's, like you said, there's a there's a great way to like really jazz them up more than it's just like a printed A4 piece of paper type stuff. And um, you know, if your opponent's got your army there and can see exactly what's in it and stuff like that um and you've also got your cheat sheet and things like that it's going to make your game just go so much quicker when you're playing multiple games in a day it's hopefully going to save you from all those brain fart moments and like you said even things like oh don't forget to use your warlord trait like because my warlord trait was i can re i think it was it's either re-roll or add one to um seize the initiative and i can re-roll all my reserves so the first round of the game so i forgot to re-roll my um uh, my season initiative in the first game, remembered in the second. Um, but the first round of the game, I totally forgot to use those re-rolls and that would have been critical for me because it would have brought on so much more stuff because I only had one or two units come on successfully um, out of five. So that would have really, you know, helped me to go, oh yeah, there was a reason, <laughs> you know, <laughs> oh, there's sure. a reason these things actually <laughs> help us, you know, like <laughs> there was a yeah. reason I was happy I actually rolled that one up. Like that was good. That was useful. So, um, yeah, no. And like, I uh, think R uh, Richard, when we were playing with his one, with his ultramarines, he's got a bunch of small cards on a, on a ring and he's from the Navy as well. So it's something that we often have is like check sheets on, you know, yeah. laminated obviously for waterproof and then have a, a ring. So you just flick through them all and stuff like that. And he's got them like literally every unit he, he, um, um, he has, but I think it's pr pretty much all of the generic units plus all of the ultramarine units. And he's just got it. He's like, oh, do we not have the one? Because, like I said, it was his his seekers or something or other that I was going up against. Something that you don't often see. So he was flipping through the cards to find it specifically to find out what war gear they had or what 
what you know this was or what that was so that, yeah. that was that was really cool that was that was like a huge stack though that was like an inch and a half thick just sitting there um but yeah like those sorts of things like particularly like let's say you're playing um smaller games and you've only got a handful of units but you're not really you know like one thing i w- would like to learn is how to play mechanicum but mechanicum are so far from my knowledge base so one thing i'm probably going yeah. to be doing is printing off little cards going all right these are these units and stuff like that so until i sort of get reasonably comfortable with them because you know especially coming from a, a marine army where basically everything's strength four toughness four most of them's got a three up save like it's, it's pretty easy to learn the differences of each unit whereas like say learning something new like mechanicum um or if you're doing cults of militia or solar auxilia or you're coming from one of those armies to a um to a space marine legion um those sorts of things can be really handy trying to get you over that sort of that that hurdle of learning basically you know new stats for all these new units and stuff yeah and and i think one of those it, it's one of those things where it's like um we we all like we're all adults right so it's kind of like we know if we're the sort of person that you know forgets some stuff or, or isn't particularly like detail focused in certain areas and i mean like if that's what you like there's absolutely no problem with that right like that's that's completely Completely cool. You know, it, maybe it's just a bit more polite at it. You know, at the gaming table, especially with people that you've never met before, perhaps. Um, that if you know occasionally that you're the sort of person, and I mean, I'm this person, um, that is always going to be buried in your frigging rulebook, trying to remember what you know, power of the machine spirit does. Right on a cheat sheet. Like nobody yeah. has a problem with you using it. Uh, um, you know, nobody's going to be like, oh, you know, you can't do that. You can't. Oh have that there um but i mean you know maybe it can get slightly frustrating to some people if somebody's constantly picking the rule book up and having to flick through it just to remember like that a bolter is like strength four or something like that so yeah, sure no, no, no issues but yeah worth um worth making those little cheat sheets for sure mm, definitely so cool that's um that's hobby hacks now the other thing that uh we're just having a bit of a chat in the break about that we're gonna slot in here tonight is a few shout outs for some events uh i wouldn't mind shouting out some podcasts that i've been listening to recently mm-hmm. uh, do you want to do the podcast really cool. first or the events uh look i might chat the podcast out quickly um so one that's come back on the radar for me <laughs> but i think these guys have been had a break for the best part of 12 months is the sons of heresy so that's uh brendan jason and johnny uh from over in england um and if you've never listened to sons of heresy do yourself a favor go and find them uh they're kind of what the overlords podcast turned into for three or four years ago when the overlords uh gaming group closed down over in the uk somewhere Mm -hmm. um and these guys sort of kept going uh and it's it's a very heresy focused podcast but i mean even if you don't play heresy the the comedy value of listening to those three guys <laughs> uh, as well as they're in between these are the guys that if you've ever heard like the really odd um like spoof adverts these are the guys that do that uh, oh so yeah yeah, got, yeah, like, that's Perda, great, yeah. You, you've got perdorabo who's peter turbo the um the uber driver um and you've got um what's what's the other one i heard today uh dantioch and um and the other guy uh and it's uh pharos is a dating website and then talking about dating each other Uh, (laughs) it's just like they just make you giggle a little bit and it's and it's worth it it's totally worth listening to those guys but they're they're back i think they've done two episodes uh this year 
and they usually do fairly significant um, size podcasts. Like most of them are like three plus hours. So if you're uh, looking for more podcasts and that sort of thing on Heresy, um, give the Sons of Heresy uh, a go. And they've got a pretty good, I think they've got two seasons of back catalog or at least a season and a half. So, I mean, That's pretty there's good. a fair bit of content to sort of get stuck into um, if you've never listened to them before. And the other big one, and I know Doug and we haven't talked about it this episode, but Doug and I were chatting about it a bit last episode, uh, mm-hmm. is Battlefleet Gothic. And yeah. I know uh, Tim from the Eye of Horus, and I'm not sure who the other guys are that are on it Jackie, with him. Like, is it, it's Jack either... Um, I'm not sure if it's Jackie Ramble or Jack from um, Anvils of Conal. I think it's one of those two. That's one of his other oh, co-hosts. Right. Yeah. And then there's some, I, someone else as well. Yeah, so I, I haven't had a chance to listen, but I think there's two or three episodes of, and they've called it Brace for Impact, um, which is, uh, so it's a BFG podcast, uh, which is really cool, because um, we're obviously all doing a bit of, sort of a bit of work in the shadows on... Um, maybe updating the Battlefleet Gothic uh, rule and fleet set for use in, in 30K um, and playing around with a few ideas like uh, alternating activations and, and things like that. Um, and that's being spearheaded as normal by uh, Mr. Horace, the the, uh, the godfather of heresy here in Australia. So um, those guys are doing a podcast, um, which is really yeah, cool. So I, I, I was going to say, yeah, I came cool. across them on... No, I haven't yet. I've, I've added it to the list because I came across, I um, saw some of their posts, but then I came across it today on Instagram when I was just looking for random hobby things. Um, so yeah, like I literally saw it earlier today and, and, and jumped on following. They've only got, what, seven uh, posts up there, but like two of them are for their episodes. But it says, yeah, it's run by Jack, Nicholas and Tim. And they've got some great conversions already of um, some of their ships there. They've got like one of them, it's got like a Volkite um barrel as a, a new bridge for one of the ships and stuff like that so it looks like nice. they're putting in you know like top quality effort in, into it already so yeah i'm definitely um added that one to the uh the roster cool 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 um i was trying to think if there's anything else that's on my rotation at the moment that's um we don't always talk about um no i'd, I'd say sort of like the, the the usual suspects is if you're into uh aos or 40k uh the honest war gamer um, yep always it is, is definitely worth a a watch and a listen i mean if you can um interact on twitch if you're that sort of person i would definitely do that with honest wargamer uh yeah twitch is how i normally watch really it just good. because it gives you that chance to immediately talk to him and and the team there yeah. and um they're actually and really they connected to their community yeah. yeah they're really connected to their community um you know, de- depending on uh, what's going on, they're, they're quite often be answering questions or letting you know, like, unit stats or, or things like that or just having a laugh and saying hi to people that they saw at events. Like, they'll often go, oh, you know, here's so-and-so in the chat. Um, we saw him, you know, two weeks ago at Wop to Wop event and stuff like that. So, like, yeah, they're, they're definitely a, a team that really care about the community and, and are really plugged into the community, which is awesome. Yeah, and, I mean, <laughs> funnily enough, somebody asked me, like, end of last year, but, oh... I don't listen to podcasts, but I like to do Twitch streams. You guys should do a Twitch stream. And I mean, I'm not sure if it, it was probably rather obvious in our last segment that um, my internet dropped like five times. Um, yeah. It killed the ball <laughs> on me and I had to keep trying to like reconnect and I was bouncing between like a mobile hotspot and my home network and all this sort of stuff. So, I mean, it would be almost impossible for us to run a Twitch stream. 
uh, just because it's, that, it's that amazing Australian <laughs> NBN, right? It's just, you know, it, powering on, powering fucking, the country. Fucking top shelf stuff there, mate. Um, so yeah, no, I, I don't think we're going to be doing a Twitch stream anytime soon, but definitely if you get a chance, uh, jump on the Honest Wargamers. Uh, and I'm also still a, a really big fan, and I know some people will cringe at this, but um, I really love Forge the Narrative and The Long War. Um, as mm-hmm. two sort of like I consider those to be the peak of um, competitive 40k podcasts and as much as I don't really play much competitive 40k and almost no ITC these days um, I, I, I like as a, as a bit of a commentator I, I like getting those points of view that I sort of trust that they know what's going on and those guys are switched on like Paul uh, Paul Murphy on, on FTN is really awesome uh, and he has a great like he's just great at podcasting, which makes it a pleasure yeah. to listen to. Uh, and then uh, you know Kenny, Rob, Wyatt, uh, and Mike, which are the main guys off um, the Long War. Um, you know they're really good to listen to as well uh, if you mm-hmm. like that sort of stuff. So yeah, that's that's sort of like the one, the main ones I want to sort of shout out and say like go listen to those ones uh, if you want to get in there. Obviously, if you just want more heresy stuff. Um, I think there's still quite a few heresy podcasts around. There's like, you know, don't lose your head. Obviously, I Horace is, is still around. Um, all that sort of stuff. So, you know, they're all uh, a lot of fun. I'm not sure if there's still like 50 billion Swedish podcasts. Do you know, Deej? Or? I don't know off the, off the top of my head. I know there's, you know, qu- quite a he- healthy number of them, particularly if you're counting it as a uh, per head population. Um, mm. But yeah, like I've been talking to some of the the Swedish community, um, you know, I don't want to say leaders of the community, but like some of the guys who are you know fairly well known in the community and stuff like that. And um, it, it it sounds like Swedish um, heresy hasn't really taken a, a much of a, a break. They've just been going from strength to strength. Um, oh, that's good. But yeah, particularly like you see, you know, like a lot of the the Ink Twenty Eight and, and things like that. I think there's always been a, a strong. Um, vibe of that up there as well sort of stuff so yeah they just keep keep powering on i got some amazing i have to actually um thank some of the, the boys from the 30k uh sweden team because um i got um a bunch of transfers sent uh to me from them which was amazing so i'm gonna have to find some um suitable units of note to put those onto. um oh, and nice. i think i also got some stickers and stuff from like don't lose your head and stuff because it was done in conjunction with them so um, I got got a bunch of those, which I was really appreciative of. Of course, it was raining at the time, and transfers and rain aren't, aren't always the best of friends. But um, <laughs> I'm pretty sure I, was, I managed to save them all. But it was just a really nice gesture that you know came out of the blue. It was a bit of a surprise. So that was really lovely of them. Um, yeah. No, no, very, very, very cool. Um, so yeah, so I think what we'll probably do moving forwards on on this podcast is definitely do a bit of a shout out segment. Um, and I know you've got a an event you want to shout out. Deej? Yeah, so um, speaking of Nick and the amazing community down in um, Melbourne, I'm pretty sure it's Adam that's um, r- running this one, uh, Preferred Enemy. Um, so it's Battle for, now I'm going to say this wrong, it's AIAS. It's A-I-A-S. So however you want to pronounce that, um, you know. I, I'm not I even going to try. Exactly <laughs> right. Um, so it says, so they're sort of in their players pack, which they've got up there. Tickets went on sale today. 
Um, from my understanding, there's 36 tickets available and 20 of them have already been sold. Um, awesome. And that's probably within less than six hours. So that's pretty amazing to hear. That's This is one that I'd definitely be going to. However, I've, I've, I'm double booked with a um, Infinity event, which is um, the big Infinity event of the year. So I'm, I'm fully prepaid and stuff like that. So it's an unfortunate clash. But um, the Preferred Enemies um, little blurb here says, uh, preferred Enemy is a Horus Heresy event with an aim to bring together hobbyists that are passionate about narrative, modelling, painting and gaming in the 31st millennium. The EEO team is dedicated to providing beautiful gaming tables and creating a fun and vibrant atmosphere to create a rich and immersive Horus Heresy experience. We've got five games over two days. Um, they're looking at 2,000 points Age of Darkness games with no Primarchs, Lord of War, Super Heavies or Gargantuan Creatures. Um and it's run over the 6th and the 7th of June this year um, down in Mary Beyond, which is near the High Point Shopping Centre. And um, in their players' pack, it's actually really well detailed and stuff like that. It's actually staying, you know, places to stay nearby, transport to get to and from the event. They've got oh, um, nice. a trivia happening on the Saturday night. Um, they've got a hashtag there if you can, you know, if throw up yourself for your hashtag. Um, every, everything there. It's got, you know, the full... Um, schedule and everything like that so um even if you're only mildly interested this is one like, i know this one's going to have a waiting list i'd suggest grabbing a ticket up really quickly because i I'm, i would imagine they go quite soon and knowing the, the guys who are involved with this it will be like a really top quality event yeah 100 percent. like i can guarantee that if you if you go to this event the um the only bad thing about it will be is it's in victoria <laughs> Uh, but other than that, it it should be absolutely freaking amazing. Um, so definitely jump on that. Um, where can you get tickets from, Deej? Um, so the best place to go is onto the um, the preferred enemy uh, event page. Go through there. But otherwise, you can go to their Eventbrite page at bit.ly slash pe underscore 2020 underscore tickets. Um, and you can check out with either PayPal or a credit card. Awesome. Sounds really good. Um, well, uh, it, it, was that the only event you had to shout out there? That's that's the only one that I know of other than uh, your next one that's in uh, on May, May the 2nd. Um, yep. What, what, and I think, like you said, once we've got that um, more sort of nailed down, we'll have the uh, tickets available again through the combat company's um, shopfront. So that was really easy last time. Basically, um, you pre-buy your ticket um, on the combat company's webpage, just as any other product, um, and it stopped. It, it made it so much easier on the day of because we didn't have, you know, what sixteen of us trying to pay one guy with one till whilst they were also trying to conduct business. So it just made things so much smoother, even just from a rolling dice perspective. So, and it was just straightforward yeah. and easy. So, so yeah. Hundred percent, and 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 I guess from like an ear, and I mean, you know, players don't need to care about this, but I, I'm happy to sort of give people a bit of background on how things work occasionally. Um, so, you know, especially for us, like we've always been happy to partner with stores. Um, and mm-hmm. there's, there's massive benefits to it. Like there's there are there's obviously cons to it as well in some cases, and I know some people don't like it, but. Um, it suits us and our player base, and we and so we love that. And we've got obviously being in Sydney, we've got some pretty amazing stores here. Um, yeah. Pre pre selling tickets means that the store sees, especially when we've you know this is the first event we've run with them, that we're serious and the community serious. 
Um, yeah. And I mean, you know, a massive shout out to um, Kishan and, and, and Steve at Combat Company um, because they sort of took a bit of a punt on us by saying, yeah, we'll come and take over our entire store for a whole day on a Saturday. Um, and they could see from people pre-buying tickets that it wasn't, you know, like that they were going to get people in the store and that they were going to yeah. make a little bit of money out of it. And then that makes them much happy about it. And then obviously as EOs, like it's nice to be able to see who's coming, who's not coming. Um, it, we know that, oh shit, we're, we're going to need like to balance a team today because we're missing somebody off a team. Um, and it just makes life a million times easier. And the other thing I'll definitely say for our event, but it, it's only for our event. I can't speak for anybody else's. Um, like I know one of our players who is bringing another player with them as well uh, had to bail um, for medical reasons um, right. and no issues in getting a refund or holding it over to the next event. So, I mean, that's amazing, right? Like, so yeah, it's not like if, if something comes up, you know, like your, your kid's sick or your, 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 you know, whatever it is, work calls you, like that should not be an issue at all in getting tickets refunded or um, getting them held over to the next event that you can make. Um, yeah. So definitely, please please keep that in mind uh, with Asphodel Bridge. As if you if you can prepay, we would love it if you could prepay, and it's super easy to do through the um, the Combat Company website. You just go to their events tab and scroll down, and you'll see the tickets. And I mean, we've broken them up into formats as well. So if you want to come and play Titanicus, you buy a Titanicus ticket, and they're capped. And if you want to play Aeronautica, buy an Aeronautica ticket, they're capped. If you want to play thirty k, buy a thirty k ticket, and they're capped as well. So, yeah just something to keep in mind when those go live again, hopefully in the next couple of days over the weekend. Uh, and we'll put links up on uh, our Facebook page and Instagram to all that sort of stuff. Awesome. So Deej, um, I think that's probably, uh, probably it. I know we're saying we're doing a shorter episode, but I think we've done two and a half hours. So um, uh, as normal, you can find us at the loaded dice across Facebook and Instagram. Uh, if you've got five seconds to leave us an iTunes review and that sort of thing, we would love it if you could. Uh, if you want to send us feedback, uh, either PM us or DM us across Facebook or Instagram, or you can email us at theloaderdicecast at gmail.com. Uh, yeah. And until next time, keep your powder dry and your dice loaded. Peace out. <laughs>